Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, gang? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you, and we got a packed one today. Lots to get to, particularly considering the big move the Vancouver Canucks made in picking up Elias Lindholm last night. We'll talk about the significance of that to the Canucks, but also the significance of that to teams like the Winnipeg Jets, who were believed to have had interest in Elias Lindholm and where that leaves the old trade bait board moving forward after Pierre Alvain uh, jumped in and uh, got at it early. Um, Scott Billick's going to pop on first. Ken Weeb, looking forward to talking to Weaver, taking some time out of his Mexican vacation to jump on with us. Um, we'll see what he has to say about that and um, Ken's thoughts on where the Jets might turn, and, and to be honest, get Ken's take on uh, just how interested and how willing the Winnipeg Jets were in Lindholm, as well as um, you know what might have been the uh, the deal breaker for Vancouver to make it. It was a significant package. We'll get into it in just a minute. Um, huge night locally for the hoop scene because it's the Duckworth Challenge, and uh, Bison's and Westman going at it at Duckworth tonight, at U of M and IGAC on Saturday. Um, the men's teams are in a dead heat at 11 and, at eleven and 5. Huge series for both clubs. Um, I know we talked about it on the show last year, but, I mean, that one-game playoff between the two teams last year, won by the Westman in an upset to get to the uh, Nationals for the first time in almost 30 years, I think it, in a lot of ways, set the table for the success of the Seabears. Um, and obviously, the Seabears season was incredible. Sean Moranen, star of the Westman, was with the Seabears uh, on the practice squad all year. And Simon Hildebrand from the Bisons was a, a huge part of the team's success. They'll be going head-to-head tonight. And our old pal Joey Slattery, Slats, is going to come on. He'll be doing color for the game tonight. So we'll talk a little hoops, uh, and we will have Suzanne Dandino pop by for a uh, Sport Manitoba Takes a Community Play a little bit later on. I have a lot of hockey talk, and we'll get into a little free agency CFL-style buzz coming up in just a couple minutes. Let me give a big shout-out to uh, all of our sponsors that make the show happen each and every day. Cool Bet Canada just finished a fun episode talking about the NHL futures that are up right now with Cool Bet now that we're at the All-Star break. Now, of course, our friends at Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, the Winnipeg Jets, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, Sport Manitoba, supported by Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries, Aikens Lake, Wallace & Wallace, Modern Men Barbershops, F Apparel, Manitoba Battery, and Canadian Club. Let's get Michael Remus in here and get this show on the road. Remo, what's up, buddy? How are you? I'm feeling good. I'm just here counting down to, uh, well, first thing I'm doing is crossing names off the trade bait board after we had the big deal last night, but I'm just counting down to NHL All-Star Thursday night. I think uh, no other games on. I have no choice. I'm locked in. 
I'll be tuning into the draft. When's Kyle Connor and Connor Hellebuck getting picked? What kind of input will celebrity coach Will Arnett have? I guess that's what I'm counting down to. I'll, I'll probably be folding laundry as well. But yeah, I'm feeling good. Nice weather out. That helps. Lots going on. It's great on. outside. It is great outside. Yeah. Not particularly sunny, but if it's going to be above zero for the first day of February, we will take it. Um, listen, just before we get into uh, into this uh, the trade talk and some CFL free agency, shout out to everybody in chat. Uh, great to see you all, and shout out to you podcast listeners. Now, if you were with us at the end of the program yesterday, we mentioned an event that we're involved in with our friends at Canadian Club and the Winnipeg Whiskey Festival. And it is the Canadian Whiskey Masterclass. Now, we put out uh, information on this to the WST newsletter subscribers last night. Um, But the bottom line is this. The event is three weeks today, I guess. Or sorry, four weeks today, February 29th. Uh, It is at the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame. Tickets are $50. It is an incredibly limited number of tickets out. I think the capacity uh, for the event is 40. And I know that Canadian Club and the Sports Hall of Fame had a few tickets that they need to hold back. So we probably are looking at 30 seats or so available for them. I already shout out to Slobo who DM'd me last night who was listening. He said, I've been looking for this link. I thought I was on the mailing list. Maybe I'm not. Can you let me know? And he immediately went out and bought four. The way things are going to work is we're going to get everyone there after work. Uh, We're going to get things going in and around six to begin the whiskey tasting. The Jets are playing the Dallas Stars that night. So we're going to have a massive screen with sound on it. We'll watch the game, the intermission, some more whiskey masterclass from uh, and we've got some incredible guests including a 36 year canadian club ambassador telling us all about it um they'll have a nice uh, you know personal charcuterie for everyone from deluca's i believe um bottom line is if you want to join us for this and we would love to see you there we wanted to get it out to winnipeg sports talk listeners from the podcast and youtubers first um but these are probably going to go within the day um, the whiskey fest events always do. They've been kind enough to sort of give us everything that wasn't held right off the bat for WST listeners to sort of make it a combo WST event along with Canadian club and the Winnipeg whiskey festival. So here's what you need to know. Um, if you're with us on YouTube right now, or you're watching afterwards on YouTube, there's a link in the description for the event. Remo right now, if you want, maybe just throw it right out in the chat so people can uh, do it. And if you do want to go to winnipegsports.com, talk, winnipegsportstalk.com, our website, um, at the top, click Whiskey, um, and just grab your tickets for it. It's uh, sort of a really uh, unique, exclusive event that we've got the opportunity to do it, an incredible venue, doing it with John Waldman and the folks down at the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame. And uh, I can't wait. Uh, I can't wait for this. Uh, it be nice to... Uh, you know, and again, you know, we won't have to dress up. It's a, it's a combo jet game watch party as well as the whiskey tasting. So you can throw a jersey on if you want. But if you are into whiskey, like learning about it, we've got Tish, as I said, 36-year ambassador uh, for Canadian Club telling us all about the whiskeys that will be available. It should be a really, really fun night. And uh, 
Hopefully we can uh, sip some fine stuff and uh, watch the Jets win in what should be a big, big game uh, against the Dallas Stars that night, Remo, and uh, should be a heck of a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to being a part of it. Really cool event, and I think the venue, super cool. I went over there today. Uh, you know, John Waldman showed me around some of the jerseys and equipment they have, like like bomber footballs from the fifties, like it Andy Bathgate skates, uh, you know, from way back. Uh, some really cool stuff. So I think the venue, along with the whiskey, along with the Jets game as well, a great combination what should be an awesome awesome event very exclusive event as you said yes indeed uh jay miller's asking if i landed a job at ups <laughs> no this is uh this is actually a beauty little brown jug hat i did a pre-tape earlier and then was going into the lock shop took my uh headphones off and realized that i looked like i had just been electrocuted and uh did not have enough time to uh do anything special with the lid so uh Grab this one, was wearing it yesterday. Very comfortable. Another example of the great merch from our friends over at Little Brown Jug. Um, so, yes, at, uh, Sandy Sharp, yes, this is at the Hall of Fame. So it'll be at the new Sport for Life Center downtown, um, especially for people if you do work downtown, if you're maybe listening afterwards, it'd be a great opportunity to uh, kick right over there after work. We'll probably get together, check out the Hall of Fame, uh, you know, in and around 5.30, get things going a little bit after 6.00. And then get the game on at 7 and uh, have what should be a great night. I mean, the whiskey tasting will probably be finished up during the game. Well, during the game, first, second intermission. Uh, but, again, I'm sure we'll hang around and just watch the rest of the game and uh, hopefully see the Jets get a big win against the Dallas Stars. So uh, if you're thinking about it or you want to go, don't wait on getting tickets because they're going to be gone very, very quickly. Link is in the description of the video. Link is up at the top of the YouTube channel right now. And podcast listeners, if you want to just go to winnipegsportstalk.com, click on whiskey, grab your tickets right now, and we will see you on February the 29th. All right, dude, um, let's get to it. Uh, well, you know, just before we, because I know we're going to be talking a lot about the Elias Lindholm trade with Billick and with Ken. Um, some CFL news right out of the gate. And uh, we'll hear from Chris Strebler in just a minute. Um, but the Hammer, who is as dialed in as anybody on the Canadian Football League, reporting that the Bombers to, are long shots to sign Brady Oliveira and or Dalton Schoen. And the report is that Brady's ask right now is around $250,000 a year. I, I don't blame him. I mean, the running back careers are so, so short. you got to strike while the iron is hot, and it's never going to be hotter for the young man. Um, but that that has to be rattling news for Bomber fans that both of those players could potentially be opponents for the Bombers next year, knowing how incredibly important they've been to Buck Pierce's offense the last few seasons. Yeah, Jeff writing in his uh, CFL rundown column, I'm less confident this week that Oliveira and or Dalton Schoen uh, considered two of the league's top potential free agents, will be back in Winnipeg. He's not saying they won't be, but it sounded like it's going to take a lot of work to find common ground. The chance of both returning seems impossible at this point, but stranger things have happened. And as we get closer to free agency, that's when the real cards get played. So that's what Jeff is reporting. And we've mentioned, there's, you know, if miss out on Oliveira, 
uh, who he said yes. The asking around two hundred fifty thousand. Uh, Jeff suggesting Wallet from the Argos would be a much cheaper alternative, coming at at one hundred sixty thousand. Who's also, I mean, that guy's a hammer, just running up the gun and and gun, and he can. He was decent in the receiving game as well, but there's so many running backs available: Oliveira, Wallet. Kadeem Carey, Jamal Morrow, Devontae Williams, and now Williams Stanback. It's like every starting running back in the league available. So I'm not really sure how this is going to work out, but it seems like this is a, a a buyer's market. And, you know, we hope Brady can get, you know, what he's asking for. And, and to be honest, and Jeff writes this too. Like, it, he's from Winnipeg, great ambassador for the city. That would be a tough loss. Uh, you know, if you were to see him on another team, but I mean, there is a salary cap and you can only afford so many guys. So you kind of get it, but that would be disappointing if they can't work it out. And if they can't work out both of them, I mean, the two guys who played huge roles here the last couple seasons. Yeah. And I mean, listen, we got into this a little bit yesterday um, with the why not question of the day as to, you know, if it came down to one or the other, knowing that Brady's Canadian and a local guy and how that helps you out. You know, which would you, who would your priority, who would you sign? And it was close. I think it ended up being about 58 or 59% in favor of Oliveira, and I totally get it. Like, I do think that if you, like, I love Ouellette, like, of those names that you mentioned right off the bat. I mean, if the Bombers have to go to a quote-unquote cheaper option, if Brady can get his money somewhere. Uh Ulet from uh, from the Argos is the guy that I I thought he was just an absolute load, um, you know was very effective catching the football as well, and just is an absolute battering ram. Um, to me, the loss of Dalton Schoen I think would be like I don't want to say devastating to the Bomber offense because you know we saw them have to go without him and there's a plenty of great players. Um, you know, on the team. And, of course, Kenny Lawler's here, and he is the number one guy. Um, but, I mean, you could make the argument that over the last two years, Dalton Schoen's been the number one guy for Zach Caleros. And the connection that those guys have, especially when Zach's improvising and getting out of the pocket, it was magic almost from day one. So I, I really hope that there's a way that the Bombers might be able to make something happen with uh, with the Dalton Schoen. Um but to your point about being the buyer's market, as much as we're seeing these big numbers and these big asks, I, I don't want to say I'll believe it when I see it, but I'm very interested to see how these numbers and what these numbers are once these running backs signed. And the bottom line is, as disappointing as it'll be if Brady's not a bomber next year, there are some other incredible running backs in the Canadian Football League that we know of. And the other thing is if we know one thing about the running back position, especially if you're thinking about the Americans every single year, they're cranking out a ton of talented players from the United States. And, uh, you know, it's good. This is going to be a, maybe a, a year that they lean on uh, Danny Mack and Ted Gavaya a lot more from a scouting perspective to bring some newer, younger and cheaper players in um, to maybe follow in the footsteps of guys like Oliveira and Dalton show. Yeah, and Dalton Schoen was one of those Americans that they were able to find. Led the CFL in yards and touchdowns as a rookie. He was on a rookie contract looking for a big one. Jeff says, Hus, Dalton Schoen looking for upwards of 300000 Whoa. And he said, Jeff says he doesn't see 
the Bombers being able to offer that. They're going to give him a raise from his rookie deal, but he won't be the highest bidder. So he's going to have to decide if he wants to stay you know, with the Bombers or take the, the money somewhere else. And we saw Kenny Lawler take the money a couple years ago in Edmonton. And, you know, wasn't a great situation there. And he ended up, ended back here. So they do, I mean, at receiver, they have Damski, they have Kenny Lawler, they have Walatarski, Rashid Bailey, he's a free agent. Uh, I'm, you know, do they need Dalton Schoen? I mean, you'd like, like to have him, but it seems like they're kind of locked in in terms of your salary structure with Kenny Lawler being, is he now your top guy? I mean, it was a lot easier when Schoen's making rookie money. But it seems like they have two high-paid receivers. Now, it's kind of frustrating as a fan of the CFL, us trying to follow all the salary stuff because it's not public. So shout out to Jeff for trying to give us some clarity here. But I, I mean, you don't have that. There's no cap friendly for the for the CFL, which makes you know some of the speculation kind of tough here. Yeah, we'll do uh, we'll really dive into this um on Monday when Hammer joins us. Um of course the CFL like the what do we call it the tampering period like yeah. the free agency before free agency starts is on Sunday. Um so you know Jeff will have his ear to the ground and we can get the latest from him coming up uh, up on Monday. Um and of course we'll touch on any of the latest news that we may hear tomorrow on the program as well. There is some good news. Chris Streveler is back as a Winnipeg Blue Bomber. And, Remo, just before we kind of dive into the hockey, why don't you play the uh, little Instagram vid that uh, Strev dropped for Blue Bomber fans discussing his return to the peg. What's up, y'all? Coming home, man. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. So excited to just play football. I've got passion for the game. I've got energy for the game. And I'm just excited to get to work. Um, it's been a journey down here these last couple of years, bouncing around the NFL, fighting, and I'm excited to come back home up north to Winnipeg. So thank you to all the fans for all the support. Um, just excited to get back out there with, with my teammates, guys that I love, that staff, those coaches. Um, truly feels like home. So couldn't be more excited to get back up there, get to work. Let's go Bombers. All right, there it is, Chris Trevler. You know, we were all down for a few minutes talking about potentially losing Brady and Dalton Schoen. And then you hear Streveler drop that video, and you're right back in. He is, uh, <laughs> his, his energy, his energy is so amazing. And how about that lid that he was wearing, too? That is an absolute beauty. Old school, like starter style hat with the little rim on the, with the, uh, the, the rope on the bottom. Strevy looking good too, and looks like he's enjoying himself somewhere very warm right now. Yeah, I like that hat as well. So he's back, and you know, I think it's been a challenging couple of years. He said, "I just want to play football," and I'm sure, there's been a lot of practicing, a lot of working out. He got into a couple games. We saw him in the preseason with the Jets. It was exciting to see him in the regular season as well. But uh, he's ready to, you know, come back as he said home. Uh, he spoke at a conference call with somebody today, feels very comfortable here in Winnipeg, likes the coaching staff, and Jeff noted yesterday some off-field opportunities for earning income, additional income through sponsorships or whatever, because uh, personality, uh, you know, we all remember him, his performance in the Grey Cup, his performance in the Grey Cup uh, parade. parade as well, <laughs> so... Uh, I'm excited to see what he's going to bring. I mean, they signed him as backup quarterback, but I imagine he'll be in a lot of 
a lot of plays as well, <laughs> and and not, I'm sure he'll be making some throws as well as uh, running on short yard. So uh, certainly <laughs> exciting having him back in Winnipeg. Hey, waiters, uh, with a great point, Cranby better get ready to give up number seventeen. Ream. I wonder if there's some kind of uh, transaction. Made for there that. I don't, I don't know. I think but. the transaction for numbers in the CFL might not be at the level they are in the NHL and some of the other leagues. But uh, and Brown and Girl MGD was Strev in the NFL long enough to earn a pension? Would be great for him. It was yes, he he was. So he's you know made some NFL money for a few years. He's got the NFL pension. I think that and it sort of speaks to what he just had to say in that bit. In that. Um, He's a guy that he wants to play. He wants to. He wanted to come back to Winnipeg. He wants to be a part of this team. He wants to help the Blue Bombers win. And uh, we all know the competitor that Strevler is. He needs to get back out on the field. And uh, he'll get the opportunity to do that, I'm sure, in many different ways. And uh, Buck Pierce can stay up all night scheming as to how they're going to use Chris Strevler. And they might have even a bigger need for Chris Strevler if Brady Oliveira and Dalton Schoen do not re-sign with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And they're both going to free agency. They're both looking for big money. And that could be very, very difficult. Um, We've got uh, Billet coming up. And we're going to dive into this Elias Lindholm trade and where this leaves the Jets. Ken Weave's going to pop on as well. Um, if you just popped in a little late, we got to give a big thanks to our friends at Canadian Club. They are uh, helping put on the Winnipeg Whiskey Festival. And if you're with us on YouTube right now, click that link. There is a very limited number of tickets for a special event we're doing February 29th, four weeks today, at the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame, the Canadian Whiskey Masterclass. It is going to be a combination whiskey tasting event along with throwing the Jets-Dallas Stars game up on a massive screen in the Hall of Fame with sound, watching the game. We are really looking forward to it. Shout out to our John at the Hall of Fame, our pal James from Canadian Club for getting us involved in it. So uh, if you're into whiskey and the Jets, this is the night for you. But as I said, it's very limited tickets, only about 30 available. I already had a call last night from somebody that jumped on four right away so uh get the link and if you're listening to the podcast winnipegsportstalk.com click on whiskey get the link and grab those tickets as soon as you can um got to shout out our friends at manitoba battery february is here and a little later on this month donnie and the gang are opening up a brand new location in the south side of the city on dover court now people in the south end will have an even uh more convenient place to pop in for their battery needs. But one of the great things about Manitoba Battery is shopping local, getting the best price in town on batteries, beating the pants off the big box stores. And of course, the free delivery anywhere inside the perimeter with any purchase over $60. So expanding the operation when it is officially open, we'll let you know about the grand opening and some special grand opening sales that Donnie's got done. But in the meantime, for all your battery needs, go to manitobabattery.com or give them a call at 783-8787. And uh, the uh, great staff there will be happy to hook you up. You can also see them at the original location, 1026 Logan Avenue. And, hey, guys, uh, I know I had a bit of a hair issue just because I was uh, it was wet. I had a thing on it, so I've got a hat. But um, love my new cut from Modern Man Barbershop. But if you do need... 
to get a little work done on the dome. Modern man is the spot. Well, in fact, there's eight spots because uh, conveniently located somewhere near you, regardless of where you are in the city of Winnipeg, Modern Man Barbershop has eight locations, including the new locations on Pemina Highway, where I went, and, of course, on Plessy Road over on the east side. They've got you covered, fellas, with haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. You can make an appointment and book your look via modernmanbarber.com and uh, give them a follow on Instagram as well while you're at, at it, at Modern Man Barbershops. And uh, going to get into a little bit of Jets talk and where the team goes post-Elias Lindholm trade. Don't forget, the Jets are back in action next week, starting off on the road and coming back home for a huge Saturday night game, Hockey Night in Canada against Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Tickets are on sale for that game. Limited availabilities left. Get in there. You don't want to miss a chance to see the legend Sidney Crosby before he hangs it up inevitably at some point, although he still is playing at an incredibly high level. Valentine's Day game, if you're looking for something to do with that special someone against the Sharks on the 14th, and then the big rematch the much-anticipated rematch with the Minnesota Wild on February 20th. WinnipegJets.com slash tickets. While you're at it, think about maybe getting into a package or get back into your season tickets that maybe you let expire and you'll get covered for playoff tickets as well before the general public, and we're all looking forward to that. It's all there for you at WinnipegJets.com. Give the True North office a call. They'd love to help you get back on board with the home team. All right, let's get Billick in here. Scott Billick joins us from the Winnipeg Sun. Scotty, what's up? How have you been enjoying a few days away uh, with the uh, Jets on, on the ba- on the break? It's nice just to not have to go anywhere, Hub. I think that's the that's the biggest thing. I just don't have to go downtown, drive home twice a day. I'm not complaining. I'm just it's nice to not have to leave the house for a few days. So I'm good with it. Also, are we going to talk about the biggest news in sports today, Hub? Or are we just not going to talk about Formula One? Formula One. I'll be honest. I have no <laughs> clue why. Did something happen? Did there, uh, is there? Is, have they announced a Have they announced a Winnipeg race? <laughs> they have not. They have not. Too many potholes. But, uh, but uh, no, Lewis Hamilton's going to Ferrari next season, not this coming year, but the year after, which is huge. I mean, this is the guy who's got seven world titles, matched Michael Schumacher's record, could potentially break Michael Schumacher's record. In the scarlet red Ferrari, that's a big deal. Anyways, we can go who back was, to who was um, the guy that won every single race last year? Um, Max Verstappen. He won every single race, but one. Yeah, and he's on what team? Red Bull. Red Bull. Okay, so yeah. Does that really matter as long as Max wins every race for Red Bull, where no, anybody mean, else goes? Yeah, because I mean, eventually everybody catches up, right? I mean, Mercedes was so good for so long. And eventually Red Bull caught up to them. Uh, Ferrari was the second best car last year, in my opinion. Um, the only other team to win a race last year. The only other team to kind of really push. I mean, McLaren did a little bit. But, I mean, for me, for me, I mean, whatever. We don't have to spend a lot of time talking about this because I know it's, nobody it, what's, cares. But... What's wild is that he's already signed <laughs> with another team for yeah. the year. Like, that, this happens that be, often. That, that would be yeah. like a guy with one year left on his contract. Yeah, signing basically saying where for he's another going. Team. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry, I'll be here for one yeah. more year, but next year I'm on those guys. I, hey, a, a very, very unique setup in Formula One and some of the uh, the international, uh, you know, some of those sports. Uh, focusing out on player movement here in the National Hockey yeah. League, 
What uh, what was your reaction when you heard about the uh, the big move by the Vancouver Canucks last night to get Elias Lindholm as well as the price that was paid as to what that says about Lindholm, the Canucks, and what the market is going forward? Well, first of all, welcome to the trade deadline, house. Because, I mean, I think yesterday was the unofficial start uh, of it, right? or maybe the official start, let's say. Now, you know, people always ask you, oh, why are you writing trade deadline stories six weeks before the deadline? Well, Yesterday was just over just over four weeks till the number deadline. one is that people want to read them. Thank God we Connor well, put too. out his video yesterday <laughs> yeah. about the top five trade targets yeah. <laughs> uh, because six thousand people watched that um, and by the evening yeah. it was down to four. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is the thing, right? This is this is part of the deal with with the trade deadline is that you know it, it's it's almost like boxing day that's turned into boxing week or black friday that's turned into black friday week and month and whatever right <laughs> you know these things are what they are and 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 it's it, it's it's turned into such an arms race hus that like you know when you have a player like Elias Lindholm who i mean you know i i understand he's had a tough season in Calgary i think there's a lot of Calgary flames outside of Jacob Markstrom that have had a tough year there um, just the way that team has gone. But Elias Lindholm, and if you just want to talk about how he would have fit into the Winnipeg Jets, and we know the Jets were in, in on him a little bit, um, you know, here's a top-line center that would have fit seamlessly, in my opinion, into Rick Bonus's system. He He's a two-way forward, great at face-offs, great on the power play, great on the penalty kill. Like, I mean, this is a guy who kind of fits all – he fits the bill for what the Jets wanted. He obviously fit the bill for what the Vancouver Canucks wanted. I think Boston wanted him and Colorado wanted him. Vegas potentially with Jack Eichel being out probably was, you know, sniffing around as they often do Vegas. Um, You know, here's a player who, it's an expensive deal. I mean, you know, Remus just had it up on on the screen there. You're giving away a 40-goal score, 39 last year. You know, near makes no difference. Um, you're giving up two prospects. You're giving up a first rounder and a conditional fourth. Like that's that's a steep price, right? But at the same time, I mean, you're trying to win. I think in Vancouver's case, at least, they're trying to ensure that Elias uh, Elias Pettersson, you know, another Swede, another Elias, is going to sign there long time, a long term, right? I mean, I think the thing with this is it shows the intentions of the Vancouver Canucks that they're trying to win, that they're trying to go for a Stanley Cup. I mean, I think this trade also it makes their team obviously better this season. I don't know if they sign Elias Lindholm long-term. I don't know if they have the cap space to do that or or, or meet what you know Lindholm's demands might be. Um, but I think this sends a pretty good message to Elias Pettersson as well, which I think is who they really want to sign long-term. Um, so, you know, potentially he's also a guy that replaces Elias Pettersson if they can't do it. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a big... It's a big trade. It, he was the biggest name on the board. He was the, you know, you know, it very rare can you trade for a top line center in this league. Um, and they just went and got him. And, and you know, that's a that's a big deal for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, you know, I, it's it's going to help their cause in that Pacific Division, which is sort of wide open, in my opinion. I mean, and and you're going to have to potentially face a ridiculously hot running Edmonton Oilers team potentially at some point. Uh, and then you're going to have to probably face whoever comes out of the Central Division to get to the, the Stanley Cup final. So, yeah, I mean, this this is a big move from a lot of teams, including guys like Colorado or Boston that would have wanted a player like this. Um, yeah, it shakes up everything Here. because I think this the drop-off is a little – it's 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 not – I wouldn't say steep, 
But the drop off to an Adam Henrique or even a Sean Monahan is it, sizable here, and it's gonna. It's I think there's gonna be a lot of teams looking to try and maybe get a little more creative to fix their center problems. Well, well. I, I'm with you as well. You know, <clears throat> I can't. I can't believe Kuzmenko scored 39 goals last year. Yeah. Like I especially how he's played this year. Well, it, yeah. exactly. That it completely like I had to go back and double check that. Like, oh my God, he did have yeah. a monster season last year. Um and you know, he's yeah. making I think five five. <clears throat> and part of it obviously would have been salary coming back. But when you dive into the players, like the package that came back, you've got a guy that obviously can't score. I mean, you get him, and who knows? Maybe this will be big for Calgary, and then they get a guy sure. that can actually be a trigger man with Jonathan Huberto. We know how brutally that is that marriage has started mm-hmm. on his ten and a half million dollar deal. Um, but when you look at the package, so you got Kuzmenko, who is a legit player that is coming off a massive year, although hasn't had a strong one himself, has sort of found himself on the outside looking in at times with the Vancouver Canucks. Um, a first-round pick that projects to be a late first-rounder, a conditional fourth, and a couple of prospects. The prospect that I think is most interesting is this Hunter Brustowicz, who is a right-shot defenseman. He was picked in the third round. He's, I believe, third in OHL scoring, not a defenseman of players right now. (laughs) So, I mean, a a prospect that's making some big, big moves at all. And And when I sort of look at... So let's look at the price that Vancouver paid. Like, who... Yeah. Like, like what, yeah. what prospect... You know what the picks are. Like, yeah. you're talking about legit prospects and then a player, like a player yeah. off the roster. Like, the one thing that I've heard, and, like, there's been some insane, as there always is, and it's it's fun, but you see Twitter, you see people talking about guys that the Jets should go and get. Mm-hmm. Like, if this is the cost, I, I heard someone talking about Joel Erickson Eck. I personally think there's about as much of a chance as Edmonton trading McDavid as Minnesota trading Eck, yeah. especially in the Division Two Winnipeg, considering that he's signed for, I think, five more years at less than $6 million, number one center, incredible 200-foot player. Yeah. But we also think about, I mean, we hear people kicking around, and Connor mentioned Casey Middlestad, which is great in theory, but like it's not you're not getting a guy like that or anyone just for your first round pick and you know some change yeah. i mean like, unless you're willing to move off of the top prospects that the winnipeg jets have or like i mean would the winnipeg jets be able to get casey middlestat without trading cole perfetti probably like, middlestat's yeah, well, 8th overall perfetti's 10th overall you yeah. look at their numbers like it, it we always overvalue our own players and think that other teams are just going to be trading guys for 50 cents on the dollar, especially yeah. Buffalo's situation right now. Like, like they're not just giving up on a player like that right now without getting a big, big return. And it's not just yeah. all futures down the road. Like I'm really interested into what might move from the Winnipeg jet or what the jets would have to move off their roster right now. If they wanted to get a player like that. And to some fans who were very, high on particular players, there would be some major sticker shock. And I think last night's deal is a perfect example of that. It, it certainly is. And I, you know, I think, you know, I've seen some trades, oh, middle staff for a first, uh, you know, maybe Billy or somebody like that. And, and Mason Appleton, I'm like, 
guys, Mason Appleton, I, I like Mason Appleton. You know, he's a good, hardworking player. He doesn't move the needle in a Casey Middlestad trade. Let's just go with that, right? And and I think you're right. I mean, I think Cole Perfetti might be there. And if it's not Cole Perfetti, it's going to be Colby Barlow or it's going to be Rutger McGordy or it's going to be Elias Salmonson, like Brad Lambert. Like, it, it, those, like you're going to have to give up two top-notch prospects. For Casey Middlestad, who, you know, I am writing about him today because he's a little bit of an off-the-board kind of um, player, right? I mean, he's a guy who has some term on me. I think he's only 25, former eighth overall, as you said, and is, is kind of a bit of a bl- late bloomer. He didn't live up to the eighth overall kind of billing early on. Sabres aren't a great team back then either. So, you know, how much has that played into it? D- does he get better playing with better players? He's six one. I believe, I think he's 185 pounds. So he's not entirely undersized, but I mean, he's also not 6'3", 220, like Pierre-Luc Dubois would have been, you know, like, so I I just wondered, you know, does he fit? And and he's a bit of a risk. And so are you going to move off of somebody like Cole Perfetti? And I don't think so. Like, I mean, I just don't, I don't think, I think that's a non I don't either. Like, I'm not suggesting that they're going to, but I'm just like, that. that is the sort of player that a team is going to be looking for if you're getting... A former right. eighth or pick that's at 25 years old just getting into his yeah. prime. Yeah, you're going to have to sweeten the pot with something, right? I mean, Winnipeg's first round pick is basically just as good as Winnipeg's, you know, probably some, you know, maybe there's, I don't know. I, I don't think it's a great pick, Middlestad's right? Like you're leading Buffalo in scoring, by the way, right now. He's got 12 goals and 30 right. assists, 42 points in 49 games. I mean, if you're, yeah, and if you're Buffalo, I mean, I don't know where the Buffalo Sabres see themselves right now, right? Like, I mean, this is the kind of the problem that they have is that I think they expected a lot more this year and they haven't really gotten it, right? And that, that's part of the problem. So, but, you know, I, I mean, you could probably package Winnipeg's first, Montreal's second in there because they're basically going to be potentially the same sort of range of picks in that, you know, late 20s, early 30s, like maybe maybe mid-30s, right, for both of those picks. But even then, what does that do for Buffalo, right? Like, that's the problem. If the Buffalo Sabres think they are... We're, you know, think they're kind of moving on up. Um, you know, losing Middlestat for some prospects and some picks, just I don't know if that fixes their team, right? Um, and, and they have some good defensemen there, obviously, with Owen Power and, and Rasmus Dallin. So do they need do they need a Villy, right? Or is it somebody that they're looking at? You know, do they want a Brad Lambert? Do they want a McGroarty? Do they want to and then the other thing is do the Jets want to move off those guys? Because I think here's the problem. Like like I understand that people don't like the untouchable comment and, and that sort of thing, but but you have to realize too that there's cap implications here too, and and the Jets are kind of and we were talking about this even back in the summer. Like the Jets could move into this kind of season here where they're going to have the right mix of guys on ELCs that that could be impact players on the roster. Yes, and then and then guys that are making the top money. So. This is where I'm just kind of struggling with what the Jets do at this deadline because I think there is a road here to go all in, right? Or to kind of push all the chips into the middle here because this team has has earned it, right? Um, we'll see what if that's still the case in a month. But, I mean, given the way this team has played this year, in my opinion, it's way better than last year, even if the numbers and where they are in the standings are sort of the same. Um, you know, just that goals against number being the top in that le- in the league and in terms of the fewest goals allowed shows me that this team is a lot better. Plus, you have Connor Hellebuck playing at a ridiculous rate on top of that. So, like, this is a team that, that is, is very difficult to beat 
uh, when they're scoring goals, obviously, um, and when when they're healthy. And so there is this option here for the Jets to kind of look, and I just wonder where they're looking now. Um, what do you look for? Is it middle stat? And maybe it's not middle stat. Like, I, I like the idea of middle stat, but could, you know, if you're looking off the board, what about a Brock Nelson? What about a Nick Schmaltz? What about a Claude Giroux, right? And I don't even know what the players are. The thing with those guys is that, especially with like maybe a, a Nelson and a Giroux, you're probably going to need a little, if, if the Jets are looking to add more than just a second line center, which I think they want a depth defenseman as well, maybe even a depth winger. Um, you know, you need some calorie or calorie salary cap retention here on those two guys because they're making six million or more. And so that, that it's an interesting spot for the Jets to be in, right? I mean, the thing the, the nice thing about Elias Lindholm was he was sub five million on his AAV. Um, and so you know, the Jets could make that work and, and possibly still maybe move to Logan Stanley out, made some money work to get somebody else in there. And now, yeah, it, it, it makes things interesting because you could look at Monaghan, you could look at Nadine Henry. I don't know. I mean, it, I, again, it, it depends where this – I think we know that Vlad Mestikov has been very good for this team, but he's not – it, it really kind of harkens back a little bit to the Brian Little argument, right? Like, Brian Little was a great second-line center, but this team kept looking for, you know, just a different, a different secondary layer – back at, in the late 2010s there when they were going, when they got Stasny and then they tried to go with Kevin Hayes and all that. So I'm curious to see what they're going to do now. I mean, I, if they were in on Lindholm, obviously they weren't willing to pay the price. Um, and I, I would love to know what that price was because I think I think it probably included some names that Jets fans would have looked at and have been like, you know, if it didn't go well for the Jets in the playoffs or whatever, you're like, okay, well, now we're probably not going to re-sign Lindholm long-term. And, you know, you're out possibly two top prospects, maybe a roster player and a first-round pick. Um, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a tough pill to swallow, but this is part of the risk of this time of the year too, House, right? Like, only one team's going to lift the Stanley Cup this year, and there's going to be a good 10, 12, maybe more teams uh, that are, are looking to make big swings um, to try and be able to do that. And so you only look smart if you win, um, and sometimes you look pretty bad if you don't. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, a uh, you know, it's going to be an interesting time. I, I, I am of the opinion, uh, and, and this is quite different than in previous years. Yeah. That rental players make the most sense for the Winnipeg Jets. Sure. Uh, like, listen, what makes the most sense is to get your guy that you think puts you over the top and you can win with. Um, but all things being equal, if you can get a player, that comes in, potentially an older player, but that you're not tied to beyond this season. Like if I'm Shevel Day off and I look at the way this roster looks next year, um, knowing that every forward on the team is signed for next year, with the exception of Perfetti, who's an RFA who will get a deal, whether it's a bridge deal or a long-term deal, that will remain to be seen. But then in addition, having some young players that, you know, could come in and make a difference and be regulars on ELCs, like grabbing a guy at a big number with a lot of term, uh, you know, unless it's it's a player that it, that you just get rid of other guys do it because he makes you that he's that much better, mm-hmm. you know, is, is is sort of the way to go. And listen, I have never been a huge Monahan fan. Um, yeah. I, I shouldn't say that. I thought he was really good over long, but I also thought he was washed and he was done. And we all remember how he ended up Montreal in Montreal. 
Calgary said, here's our first round pick. Take this guy. (laughs) So I have sort of laughed and I've talked about it on the show, the thought of Monaghan getting the halves another first-round pick, and that's certainly what they're floating out as the ask. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll tell you what, I do have questions as to whether he has this, the wheels to play like with a guy like Nikolai Ehlers. And, and this yeah. player that they're coming in, you are going to want him to gel and to be able to play in that top six and kind of reset. And, I mean, if Vladimir Matsnikov is your fourth-line center, can bounce around the lineup when guys are hurt, I think you're in good you're in good shape. Yeah. Um, we know how important faceoffs are to Rick Bonus, and we know how poor the Jets have been generally there. That's a big plus for Monaghan. Monaghan only is making 1.9 this year. That's a very, very – that's a contract that you could take on that w- without much difficulty. Um, and then the question is, I mean, he is having a pretty good season. Now, would he play in the same sort of scenarios and get the ice time and the opportunity that he is in Montreal? Maybe not. Um, but he still has having a big, big bounce back season right now. Uh, and, and even last year, um, you know, in the limited time that he played with Montreal, he was pretty productive right now. He's got 35 points in 49 games. He scored 13 times. Like I would entertain bringing him in. And I saw Jay Fresh saying yesterday, and I sort of agree. Like I'd still, I'm dubious that they will get a first round pick for Monaghan. But with Lindholm going off the board at this point, and if a rental for some yeah. teams, it makes a lot more sense. And I think the Jets are in that category. To me, I think the likelihood of them going that route maybe increased a little bit. And listen, could you give them their second round pick for it, which is basically uh, a laced first rounder? I mean, that that projects yeah. to be in and around 40th overall. Yeah. And maybe maybe you add in a third or a fourth rounder or something like that. Maybe that gets it done. Um, but to me, Monaghan, as opposed to all those other players, also has the salary that is so much easier to fit in it gives you the opportunity to maybe do some other things, whether it be the blue line or elsewhere in your forward group if he came in here. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I was going to say the Montreal second-round pick might be it. And then, yeah, I don't know, maybe do you give him Logan Stanley? Do you, you know, whatever, right? I mean, you, you could look at it that way and be like, okay, well, you could probably make it work. Um, I, I'm not – I wouldn't say I'm bullish on Sean Monahan, but, I mean, I think here's a guy who knows that he's fighting for a contract, right? Um, I think he knows that, you know, if he plays well and continues to do well, somebody's going to take a chance on him in the summer and, and, and sign him to a, uh, you know, a decent deal. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, if we look at the trade deadline as always being a risk, I mean, is the risk any bigger? Like, I, I, think, I think you would say that Elias Lindholm, based on the price that was paid, is high risk, potentially high reward. I think Sean Monahan, given the price that you could potentially pay, could be low risk and to medium to high reward if he continues to play that the way that he's playing, right? And so, you know, can he move into a second line role playing with Ehlers and Perfetti and make that work? Um, you know, that that sounds like a nice spine for the Jets. If you you know, you said Nastikoff moves down to the uh, moves down to the fourth line, you have Shifley, Monahan. Uh, then you have Adam Lowry and Nemestikov. I mean, that, that's a pretty good spine for a team going into the playoffs. It, you know, it doesn't, it, it's not as sexy, let's say, as Shifley, Lindholm, Lowry, right? 
Um, but at the same time, the cost of acquisition is going to be a lot lower. The salary cap implication means it's a lot lower, um, which means you can start looking elsewhere, right? You can try and look for a, maybe a Chris Tanab or something like that to round out your defense. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's that it is it. But, I mean, what are you looking for at the end of the day, right? I mean, are you looking for the best player? Are you looking for the best fit? Are you looking for, you know, probably a combination of all of those, right? Uh, cap, all that, face-offs power play like what else can they do for you so yeah it, it's a good question Huss. and 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 maybe that is it right i mean the, the thing with adam henrique is he's a little bit older um obviously um monahan's a little younger i just think that monahan's got a bit more to prove here and if it all goes well for him it, it could benefit both him and the jets long term yeah you know what i mean just and we'll get a, we'll ask ken about this too i mean i uh henrique's intriguing to me um, yeah, Henrique makes four more million bucks or three. Yep. I think he's at five six or something like that, five seven, as opposed to the one nine of Monaghan. Yeah, so I mean, that that prevents you probably from doing other things. I will say this Henrique, if he ended up on a team, like let's just say it happens and he comes to the Winnipeg Jets, this is a guy that has been productive through his career, can certainly play in that hole at center, and. I mean, he went to the cup final as a rookie, played yeah. 24, 25 games. He's played four playoff games since then. Like, that would yeah. be a guy that would be incredibly hungry, I think, to come in and make a difference. And it certainly would be a great opportunity for a guy going into free agency. Um, but again... Well, who does he remind you of us? Like, if you looked at Adam Henrique and looked at another player at the Jets got at the deadline at one point, who does he remind you of? Like, to me, he reminds me of Paul Stasny. Like, here's a wily vet who is a you know, has been a good centerman in his career mm-hmm. who maybe has lost half a step, but is just smart enough that that doesn't really affect him that much. Right. I mean, and that's the thing with Adam Henrique. He's, he's a good player. He's good in the faceoffs. He, he can play both sides of the special teams ledger. Like, I mean, here's a guy who might fit the bill, but you're right. Like it, it's prohibited. Like his, his calorie cap, his salary cap is a little prohibitive. Right. I mean, the thing with Anaheim though, you know, for the last bit of this year, maybe you can get some salary retention, right? I well, mean, I assume you, you can you bake can, that into but that it, costs, right? I mean, that costs. Of course it costs assets. something. It always costs and something. That's, the, uh, that's yeah. the big thing. Well, listen, we'll look forward to uh, reading your uh, F1 in-depth article tomorrow. Or no, I mean uh, Jetsa article <laughs> yeah. tomorrow on if the only, program. It's only us. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for doing this, dude. All yeah, right, anytime. There, and everybody's going to feel bad with, with <laughs> Kenny coming in here because I can see yeah. it. And I just like, <laughs> hey, my backdrop does not look like Ken Weave's backdrop. Good thing. Listen, I know, I know you haven't left the house uh, in four days, uh, kicking it back to 2021, but uh, it's actually gorgeous outside. So yeah. with this, is nice. yeah. this isn't as much a kick in the junk as it normally would be when we bring Ken in. Uh, anyways, Bill, thanks for doing this. Yeah, um, have a good one. Us, you yeah. know, of course, we talked quite a bit of bombers uh, in the uh, shown Olivera situations, and uh, great to see the little greeting for bomber fans from Chris Strebler earlier on. Cannot wait to see Strev do his thing once again at Princess Auto Stadium. Of course, the home of the Blue Bombers has been renamed for a proud Manitoba company doing so much for our sports teams and Winnipeg in general in Princess Auto. And, um, you know, Princess Auto is a great sponsor of ours and, of course, the place where you'll find the best and most unique assortment of tools around everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is over at Princess Auto. Pop by and see them 
at Panet Road or Portage Avenue West locations. And always, you can shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. We're already counting down the days to get up to that Princess Auto tailgate zone before the first Winnipeg Blue Bomber action of the year. But first, we got to get to CFL Free Agency again. All our Bomber reports on WST brought to you by Princess Auto. Uh, uh, shout out to our friends at Wallace & Wallace, the fencing and overhead door specialist in Winnipeg since 1946, finishing up, what, seven decades, eight decades here in Winnipeg? Um, listen, the fencing, you've seen their fences and trucks all over the city, but you might not know that they are the leaders in overhead garage doors. And right now, while it's actually quite pleasant outside, um, the winter and the deep freeze puts the most stress on your garage door. The right time to prevent downtime is right now. Give Wallace and Wallace a call to book your inspection and maintenance visit today for residential and commercial overhead doors, sales and service. There's only one name or two you need to know, and that is Wallace and Wallace. And uh, thinking about menswear and clothing for some of us is a bit of a drag, but I can tell you if you do need to, if you're looking in the closet and you need to up your menswear game, if you've got some big events coming up in 2024, the best place to go is down at F Apparel. The uh, great staff at F will f- measure you up and uh, get these custom clothes made to fit and look great for uh, all of your needs. They've got custom suits starting at 400 bucks. We've got Connor heading down there for a fitting on Friday. Uh, not to mention chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. Don't forget, if you are getting married this year or in a wedding party, Make sure to talk to the fellas at F about a 15% discount for the entire wedding party when you get your suits at F Apparel. Pop by and see them at 190 Smith Street downtown or make an appointment to come in for a fitting and find out more information on everything they've got going at F online at ephapparel.com. All right, certainly not wearing a suit right now. Taking in a little bit of sun, rocking the wake-up shirt, joining us from... Uh, I believe beautiful Mexico. It's none other than Ken Weave. Look at this backdrop of your, of the many that you've dropped on us before. This is right up there with the best one. How's that? How are your travels? Andrew, uh, great to be with you. Uh, in honor of Chris Streveler, uh, I would have uh, I would have considered the first shirtless appearance on the one of Peg Sports Talk, but I, I didn't pack the fur coat. So uh, if I had the fur coat, we might have you know. I got to lose a few pounds, but uh, hey, I was considering you go tarps it. Tarps off at some point. The ladies <laughs> in the chat will love it. <laughs> I know it's been a great week, yeah, Huss. The travels have been great uh, here in beautiful Playa del Carmen here for a few more days. Uh, snuck out a little bit before the All Star break, actually. So it was nice, uh, nice of Mike McIntyre to hold down the fort. Uh, happy to report. Uh, I know you usually get this at the end of the. Uh, End of the show, but uh, had a great visit with Rick Bonus. Uh, have a big feature coming up in the uh, Saturday edition of the uh, of the Winnipeg Free Press. A uh, little kind of a, just a nice feature on Bonus uh, with what he went through this year, uh, going into the All Star Game for the first time. So uh, pumped about that dropping. Uh, wrote that. Huss, it's always great when you can write a, a nineteen hundred word feature on the deck when it's still twenty something degrees at night here, and you hear the ocean in the background. So uh, it was a, it was a nice place. Uh, the out of office uh, email here this week has been a good one here for sure. You, you but I, a lot I, happening as it turns out. Yeah, I, I just quickly I have to ask you about how uh, 
how K&R went. I mean, I'm as loyal a K&R viewer and listener as they come. But because of there was the Leaf game on Saturday night, I yeah. went out afterwards and I took my phone off and I had to come back. And then I got into the PVR Royal Rumble, <laughs> which then headed into Sunday, which was all which was all NFL. How did how did K&R go? Because you were there and wasn't yeah. Rennie doing a game in Ottawa? Yeah, we had a lot happening here, Huss, for sure. Uh, I do. Did have you to guys say, pull I, it off? I, I was I was diligently watching though uh, the first first part of the first period. We did watch in the restaurant, but uh, the the beauty of technology is we got the game uh, uh, worked out on the television in the hotel room. So it was a it was a you know not a full live viewing experience, but uh, certainly uh, I've had to kind of battle through tougher situations, Huss. So uh, the CTO was happy to uh, be a very, he was very much of use uh, this weekend for sure. Uh, I'll have to be uh, taking care of, uh, taking care of Remo here a little bit later on, but uh, yeah, no, it was great. I mean, uh, Sean did a a great job hosting considering he uh, was reliant mostly on the highlights, but uh, we had, we had a good time with it for sure. Uh, I didn't have to. I didn't have to course correct him. There were no goalie blades that fell off uh, during a goal that uh, he was ripping the goalie for. So, uh, no, it was great. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's you know sometimes you just got to get by us, right? That's the beauty of <laughs> the beauty of what we do. So, this might, this and Je- Jeff Hamilton plan. was kind enough to be uh, with us, and this he might was. Be- a, a new plan for Rennie. Rennie's takes <laughs> might be better if he can't see the game. You never know. Just uh, <laughs> love Rennie. Um, As we, we kid, we kid. Yeah, exactly. Well, for exactly. sure, for sure. Um, no, listen, um, let's get to it. I mean, what was your reaction to the Lindholm trade? Um, sure. in, in particular, the cost. First of all, Vancouver doing it when they did. Yep. Um, and, um, and what was the reaction from people that you've talked to about the price that was paid for Lindholm, who by most accounts, was the top rental center available, at least right now, on most people's trade boards. Yeah, twofold, Huss. Uh, obviously, we know that Jim Rutherford is, uh, you know, quite frankly, he is the king of the preemptive strike. Uh, I think it's fairly fair to say. I think that he's often gone and tried to jump the queue when it comes to uh, picking up a, you know, rental type of situation kind of player. Uh, Patrick Alvino, obviously the GM, he's obviously, you know, the one pulling trigger but Jim is you know obviously involved in terms of the processes and everything else uh, I think Craig Conroy you know I don't know a ton about the prospects Huss, so I'm not going to come on here I'm going to say you know like do your due diligence but go to the prospects guys for information on the prospects I think that's probably uh, I'm not out here to say uh, you know who's going to do what but uh, obviously the, the defenseman that the Flames are getting is a you know high profile kind of guy from the U.S. National Development Program who uh, one of the pieces I read, I think, from some Scott Wheeler, made it pretty clear that he is a, a high-risk, high-reward type of player. Uh, but, I mean, they, for them, the, the the centerpiece is easy to identify. I mean, uh, Craig Conroy was, you know, ripped in some circles for his summer trade of Tyler Toffoli. But uh, if we're checking the receipts on February 1st, I would say that Igor Sharangovich has more than uh, acquitted himself very well. Uh, I would imagine that the Flames uh, pro scouting staff has made it clear that they expect Kuzmenko to be more like the player they saw last year than the one that's been, uh, you know, in the doghouse and on the fourth line and on the second power play this year for the Canucks. Uh, I mean, it is important to realize that Kuzmenko, you know, he scored a ton of goals last year, I think 39 by the story that I just read, but he shot 27%. Huss. I mean, those are not sustainable numbers, even if you have a, you know, one of the best shots in the NHL. Having said all that, 
there will be top six minutes available to Kuzmenko, and uh, he's a guy that can finish. So, I mean, and naturally the Flames don't score easily, as we know from Lindholm's numbers himself. Uh, so it, it's a low-risk, you know, maneuver for the Flames. They have an opportunity to hit a couple of, uh, you know, a couple lottery balls there. Uh, I would think that uh, you know, the first-round pick, I mean, if you're the Canucks, that pick probably ends up being between 26 and 32. So uh, probably going to be worth it. But at the same time, I mean, for Keg Conroy, uh, you know, in the article that I read of his, uh, on him, checks all the boxes for them. So, I mean, naturally, Hus, the Jets fans are wondering, well, could the Jets not have had a package that would have been similar? The problem with that, Hus, I mean, he, who would you compare Kuzmenko to I, on, the, on the Jets roster? I mean, my first question I, wouldn't, for you. I, I, I wouldn't say Perfetti, but if you're Craig Conroy, do you not think that's probably what type of player you're asking for in this deal? I mean, what other – I know Absolutely. Some, some, some fans are saying, oh, well, that should have just been Mason Appleton and Billy Hanela and whatever else. I'm like, no, we're, we're not looking at apples and oranges. We're looking at apples and oranges here if that's what you think the offers are. Um, and so I, I think I'm not, I, I would imagine, you know, Craig Conroy said five teams were interested. I'd be shocked if the Jets hadn't made a competitive offer, but us with, without dipping high into the prospect pool, I don't see it as simple solution to the Jets finding a way to match what the Canucks gave. And it, uh, some people are saying, oh, with the money, should have just, dealt, you know, thrown Nate Schmidt's contract in there. Well, it, again, it's not apples to apples here. Um, when it comes to the you know assets that the Flames would have been looking for, and you know that that's that's not a knock on Nate Schmidt, but like Kuzmenko scored 39 goals last year, like Mark Shifley had 42. So I'm not saying the Flames were asking for Shifley, but they certainly weren't asking for uh, you know a third pairing defenseman that's making almost six million dollars. Like that that's not that's not what it would have taken to get the deal done. So. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see where the Jets pivot. I think this is a smart move for both sides. Uh, Craig Conray definitely, you know, uh, is able to build the prospect pool. He's got an NHL-ready player jumping right in. And, he, you know, quite simply, it's very simple, Hus. Elias Lindholm, from, from what I've been talking to with people, is looking for north of what Mark Shifley made in the market. And that was only with one team bidding. So... Uh, it's it's higher than eight and a half, and it's maybe higher than nine. So if he gets that, we'll see. Uh, and I, I know that his numbers have dipped this year. The Flames don't score easily. But Lindholm two years ago, Huss, was on the most productive line in the NHL, right? Oh, his two wingers year, And he's going to have a great gone. opportunity. This is a great for him because I think he's going to go to a team that, you know, scores a lot, that'll give him an opportunity to sort of show – what he can do and maybe get that big deal. Um, Ken, and the, the, just one quickly thing, yeah. just last to wrap up with Lindholm. So Elias Pettersson is a very strong defensive player, but by bringing in Lindholm, at, at least on the home games, you are taking away all of the hard matchups. Lindholm is a incredibly conscientious two-way player, You know, probably still one of the better defensive centers in hockey. So, this is a twofold move. Like Lindholm's probably going to give them more offense than he gave to Calgary this year, but he's also going to take a humongous amount of pressure off of Pedersen and company when it comes to the checking aspect. And, and, and don't, don't kid yourself. If you want to win three or four rounds, you need a player like Lindholm that can 
sort of alleviate some of that stress on the best offensive player or players on the team, if you want to include JT Miller in that conversation. Well, and again, you know, we're talking about winning in the playoffs. That defensive aspect is uh, is so Huge. important. I mean, Stonewall Dave said Lindholm was very much the third most important piece on the best line in the NHL that season. Oh, I don't uh, agree. Uh, it, neither do I. And do not underestimate, I mean, what he does in both ends. And I mean, that's a big part of winning. And that's a big part of the reason why he was uh, he was attractive. Um. As far as where the Jets go, I'm sort of surprised I hear so many people talking about Casey Middlestat. Um, not that he's not an intriguing prospect, but sure. I, I think like I think it's our job, Ken, to sort of deal in reality here. Yep. He is leading the Buffalo Sabres in scoring right now. He was an eighth overall pick in the draft. He's 25 years old. He's still under team control. Like, let's say the Jets were really horny and they thought he'd be the guy that could come in and play second-line center. How do they even begin a conversation on Casey Middlestat without Perfetti being a guy that is part of the package to get him here? Yeah, that's a great question. And Middlestat is super interesting, Husk, because prior to the season, I mean, with all due respect to Middlestat, who like, came out of the national U.S. National Development Program, it like spoken about like Pat, the next Patrick Kane. Right. I mean, he was said, you know, I, I, if he didn't break some of the numbers, he certainly was in that realm of production. But he had been an underachieving player, Huss, at the NHL level until this year, essentially. So that, I'm not saying that that would of be a Buffalo de- deterrent. Buffalo had many. <laughs> no, no, for sure. And again, if you're Kevin Adams, Huss, why in the world would you consider moving a player Essentially, I'm not saying he's he's definitely not supplanted Tage Thompson, but because Thompson had a bunch of injuries. But if you're Kevin Adams, why in the world are you considering not having Tage Thompson and Casey Middlestad as your own top two centers? Uh, and, and it's not like the Sabres need to go and trade for defensemen. Checks notes. Oh, they have Rasmus Dahlin and Owen Power. Oh, why would you move Middlestad if you're Kevin Adams? So uh, I, I don't. The rumor mill, sometimes you have to pay careful attention to the names that end up on the rumor mill because sometimes they're just not dealing in reality. And secondly, Huss, I mean, in terms of the style of player the Jets are looking for, like, so if we're looking at Casey Middlestad as an example, the example is you would be using Casey Middlestad on a line with Cole Perfetti if you didn't have to trade him and probably Nikolai Ehlers, Right. I mean, it's an intriguing line, but I just don't see that. A, I don't see him as being a player that's available unless you blow the Sabres away with a package that hurts the organization in the long term. And B, I think that what we've been talking about, and you, were, you touched on it with Scotty there at the end of the conversation, the Jets are looking for A, experience, B, some guys who have won before, and C, they're, they're probably looking at a little bit more, like on a line with Perfetti and Ehlers, you're probably looking at a guy with a little bit more size. And I'm not saying he has to be 6'6 and a bruiser, but I am saying that you're you're probably looking for a different style of centerman. Uh, and just a quick thing about Henrique. I mean, Henrique is intriguing on a lot of levels. I mean, and the, the difference between Henrique and Stastny, as an example, because that's how Scotty kind of compared Like, there are some parallels for sure. I would say Henrique's probably a much better skater, and he probably doesn't have the same kind of vision but he fits that kind of utility role as a number two center because he can play in all situations like Stastny. 
can play on the penalty kill, can play on the power play, can give you top six minutes. And we know based on how Rick Bonus uses his line uh, combinations and usage, that line as a third over the boards type of line is going to get some intriguing matchups against third pairing. So I would think that that would be a very appealing scenario for the Jets, whether it's you know Adam Henrique. And again, I've mentioned Brock Nelson a couple times. I'm not here to say that Lou Lamarillo is shopping Brock Nelson. But for an organization that has a lot of center depth, I mean, Brock Nelson makes sense because he's a really good player. He's from Roseau, Minnesota, or World, Minnesota, and, you know, played at UND. So I think he'd make sense on a lot of levels. But, I mean, the thing is, Huss, and, you know, we've discussed this privately, and so have Sean and I. I mean, the Jets are probably going to be looking at someone who we're not thinking about here. So we're all trying to think of the under-the-radar type of possibility, but that probably the that person's not going to end up on a lot of the trade boards, I guess is probably what I'm saying. But yeah, I mean, a, I still do think two C is probably one of the priorities, but I would also say this Huss. I mean, the fact that Calgary has used the preemptive strike with Elias Lindholm to me would make it much more likely the jets are pushing a few more chips in on the Chris Tanev sweepstakes. Now, having said that a lot of teams are in that boat, because of the salary that Tanev makes and because of the situation and how like, there's just not a lot of top pairing defensemen available. So I still think that Tanev would be someone that would be of, of keen interest to the Jets. How close do you think the ask for Tanev would be to what they just got for uh, Lindholm? Yeah, I mean, Huss, it's it's so hard to be, the thing with Tanev is he's well, the such, ask. I mean, the ask will probably the be ask high. is super high. How much but, can they get for Tanev as it pertains to what just was paid for Lindholm? This is what I mean. So, like, Lindholm doesn't have eye popping offensive numbers, and Tanev has never posted like big offensive numbers because he's more in the shutdown defenseman type of role. But the value of a player that can immediately jump in, A, on either a top pairing with Josh Morrissey or on the second pairing with Brendan Dillon, and then you move Neil Pionk onto the third pairing with Dylan Sandberg, like the value of that would be very similar to me in terms of what he can give to the team. Now, what it costs to get him, it's hard to determine. I would say that the pool of teams in Ontana might even be higher if Craig Conroy said he had five serious offers from teams for Lindholm, I have to think at least five teams. I think and, you're right. And probably closer to 10 would be in on Tanov. Uh, but again, I mean, will there be some retention? I don't know. Uh, Tanov, I mean, we know that it's a natural fit. He played here with the Manitoba Moose. So we know he would know about the Jets organization because his brother played there. And, and he just, this is a guy that wants to win, Huss. I mean, so, I mean, again, Vancouver's saying that they're not out on necessarily on Tanev, but I would say it's become a lot harder for the Canucks to, to be in on Chris Tanev uh, than it would be for a team that, you know, hasn't added a second line center as of yet. But, I mean, now I, we always look at this, Huss. First big domino has fallen. Does that mean five teams try to make preemptive strikes, or does that mean those five teams are now patient? for one more month when they're trying to accumulate a little bit more uh, cap space if they're not drawing into LTIR, which a lot of teams already are. So it's always interesting to see once the first domino drops, what does that mean for the rest of the market? And, and for the Jets, it can't just be about an arms race. But what we've seen of late, Huss, is that other teams, and we know this 
from what happened last year. Other teams are getting better in the second half. So even if you love the team that you've composed, you still are going to want to upgrade probably on defense and probably at second line center if a team like the Jets wants to try and win four rounds in 16 games. Yeah, um, and you know, just speaking to the preemptive strike for a minute, Dusty and I were talking about it in the lock shop earlier today, yep. and he made a great point in that, you know, Vancouver sees what Edmonton's doing right now. Oh, and I mean, how can you not? They, they've got 12 points on them, but the Oilers have four games in hand. And this is doing it when they did it. Um, and, and, I, and I'm going to put the Jets in the same category because I think Winnipeg and Vancouver are in very similar situations as it pertains to the regular season. The carrot of winning your division and avoiding, in Vancouver's case, if they can win, let oh, the Oilers and Vegas go at it in the first <laughs> round. For Winnipeg, if the Jets can win the Central and let Colorado and Dallas beat the hell out of each other in the first round and have home ice in that next series, if you're able to get past, with all due respect, an opponent that will not be of the quality of a team in the top three of either of those decisions, uh, the divisions, is significant. And... I get why Vancouver died, and I, I applaud them for doing it because I think it really does give them a much better chance of holding on to what they've built right now, and I think that helps them in a big way come playoff time. Yeah, no doubt, and, and for sure. I mean, we know this because of what happened on Saturday. Yes, of course, Jets were still first in the Central on points percentage, but even this little miniature three-game losing streak that included one overtime point, the Jets went from first in the Central to third. Like in a snap of a finger, right? Dallas and Colorado both passed them in points. Now, I understand points percentage is different and games in hand count for what they do. But Hus, you're completely right. And with all due respect to the uh, St. Louis Blues, Nashville Predators, Arizona Coyotes, uh, you know, insert team that goes on a hot run here to finish seventh or eighth in those wildcard spots. It's just not, it's not, I'm not going to say it's not anywhere near the level of competition, but the difference between having to have a, you know, knock them down, throw them out, slobber knocker of a matchup in the first round with Dallas or Colorado, it, it just harkens us back to 2018. I mean, we use this as a reference point because it's the year the Jets went the longest and having a five game matchup in the first round with the wild were a good hockey team, us they were not in the same level as the Nashville Predators or later on the Vegas Golden Knights. So it's the same concept here for both Vancouver and Winnipeg. And you're absolutely right. That's why you would go for the preemptive strike. Now, Lindholm is interesting because he's been traded before and he's had the transition phase. But if you're going to acquire someone who has, A, spent his entire career somewhere or spent the last you know five to eight years somewhere, well, of course you want to give them more time to get acclimatized with the program that you are operating in, especially for a team like the Jets, uh, you know, who we've talked about. You know, you don't want to disrupt the chemistry and all those things. I would say, Huss, that's fine to say, and I understand why, you know, GMs like Kevin Day up and other people say it, but Huss, we've seen this in other sports. And again, you, you and I both watch baseball closely. When a team is very good, and their general manager doesn't take a swing. We saw this with the Blue Jays. When that happens, you almost have a, not a mutiny, 
but you definitely run the risk of even if you have a great cohesive thing rolling, if you're a good team and you don't take a swing, you run the risk of having a negative effect in that room in terms of players looking around and saying, you know, the guy publicly will say, I believe in this group. That's why I didn't do anything else. But it's a dicey kind of, you know, you're, you're walking a tightrope there, Huss, when it comes to what you're doing and what your actions are based on what your words are. And again, that's not to say that Kevin Chevalier doesn't believe in the group that he has. But I think in his heart of hearts, he would know if he wants to make it through four rounds, he needs to upgrade the roster. I'm not saying he has to overhaul the roster by any stretch, but he needs to upgrade the roster in order for that to happen. And he knows that, which is why they're going to make a move or two. Yeah, it, listen, exactly. I mean, the question is to uh, how much goes out, what comes right. in, um, and what potentially moves off of the uh, off of the roster. Another intriguing guy, one, an intriguing situation overall is what's happening in Columbus. A oh, disaster man. season. Um, I, I guess, first, I do wonder whether they still trust Yarmo to go and make a bunch of moves at the deadline, like what his future is and, and just how active they may or may not be. But speaking of guys off the radar, a guy that we've kind of talked on this show a little bit that I think would have a lot of interest, not just in Winnipeg, but elsewhere, is their captain, Boone Jenner. Now, training your captain in that way would be big. I mean, he's on a very affordable deal, 3.6. He's signed for two more right. years. He's 30 years old. Like, when I, if Columbus was willing to move off a player like that, Ken, considering everything we had and the salary and the term, like how how pricey would that be for a team like Winnipeg in your mind? Yeah, it's a great question. And uh, I do see a lot of fit from Boone Jenner. I mean, in, on a championship team, he's probably more likely to be in the Adam Lowry role as a third-line center. But at the same time, he does have some offensive gifts. I mean, he's a hard-nosed kind of player, plays a physical game, you know, all of those things. Uh, I think that in the right situation, he could play on the second line. I mean, especially because we know Lowry will get a lot of the hard matchups. Uh, I, I don't know what the asking price is. It's a great question. I mean, Boone Jenner is not a you know a huge point producer, but he's a productive guy. Had twenty six uh, last year. No, no, I know, I know. It, it just, I mean, his opportunity with Columbus would be different than his his opportunity here. But mm. hey, anytime a team can add a twenty six goal guy, uh, yeah, you're all for it. But I mean, I just don't know. What kind of like are they going scorched earth now? I mean, like Columbus has been in a weird spot, us because since those UFA departures, they've kind of been in the middle. Kind of, I mean, not in the middle in terms of standings, but they have the combination of young players and and kind of veterans. Like the roster isn't kind of lining up the way it needs to, which is why maybe moving Jenner makes sense for them, uh, because they're still kind of stuck in this rut here. Uh, Again, and a lot of the there's a lot of intrigue around Columbus. And again, us. I mean, I know you've been probably been talking about it all week, but I mean, first and foremost, uh, you know, people around these parts. And you know, I was fortunate enough to get to know Patrick a little bit uh, on a personal level, just in terms of our professional dealings at the arena. You wish nothing but the best for him, uh, first and foremost, in terms of getting the help that he needs, getting healthy, and then resuming his career when he can. Um, but that you know that's nothing to do with Jenner, but uh, I just needed to add that uh, you know, because I know it's probably has been a hard time. That's not an easy decision for people to make, and I applaud him for having the courage to go into the uh, NHL PA program and hope that he gets the help that he needs. Uh, in terms of the asking price, I don't know. I mean, 
I think he would be a really good fit on a lot of levels. I haven't had a lot of personal interaction with Boone Jenner, but uh, the limited amount that I've had, I've heard nothing but good things about him. And like you said, when you have that level of term attached at such a reasonable salary, uh, he will have appeal to all contenders uh, knowing. Now, again, I don't know what the timeline is with his injuries and all that, but uh, I would think that uh, he would be someone who would be of, of great interest to the Jets and others for sure. Uh, in terms of what Yarmo would be able to extract for that kind of an asset, um, it, it's it, it's interesting, and we'll we'll be tossing it around. But I I don't know I don't know how deep into the shelves you're you're picking if you're Kevin Shovel Day off. But um, you know you probably attach a high draft pick I, again. I don't I don't know the difference for me has between again twenty six and thirty two for a first rounder versus maybe I would think that maybe that Montreal second rounder would be one of the you know appealing assets. And I also think that Columbus is probably looking for kind of more like close to NHL marinated prospects uh, that they want to have kind of growing up with the Adam Fantillis who, you know, unfortunately for him is going to be on the shelf for a while here. But the core pieces are trying to build around uh, like Cole Sillinger and, and uh, you know, and Adam Fantilli and those guys. So, I mean, the Jets will have some of those guys in terms of an appeal, but I'm not 100% sure what, what is on Yarmo or John Davidson's shopping list either. Yeah, I, I, I mean, you know, we hear these But I like where you're going there. I like where you're going out. with Well, that. I mean, he would be a guy. But, I mean, I guess, I mean, when I look at what the Jets have right now and what's in the cupboard, I mean, you're probably yep. needing to throw that first-round pick out. You're maybe getting a prospect out. But, yep. you know, this is the guy that's the captain of their team on a very good contract. He scored 30 before. He had 26 last year. Yep. Like I keep going back. I, I just want people to realize that these players are not just being given away. And if no, you no. want to make that move, I, I mean, to me, Perfetti is probably a guy that every single general manager, any general manager in a situation like Columbus it, is, would be starting the conversation with when you're talking about a player that can come in and potentially play in your top six, produce like that and potentially give you a much better chance to win. And I don't think the Jets are at all interested in that. But I just think that this trade yesterday with Elias Lindholm, Ken, it tells us all we need to know about the cost for a player of that ilk. And that was for a rental. Never mind a guy that gives you two more years at a very, very team-friendly number. Yeah, no doubt. I mean... If you're the Jets, I mean, could you interest them in Brad Lambert rather than Perfetti? I mean, that would probably be an, an, you know part of the discussion as well. But um, yeah, like where the line in the sand is going to be on a lot of these players now. Now that's that's what we'll be interested in. And I would even say too, Huss. I mean, what the last couple of years have shown us is that you know in a lot of those years the first rounders aren't what was being shopped out from the teams that are that are doing the acquiring. You know, some of them have obviously had to, uh, but. Again, I we got to look at the Barbashev deal. I mean, that's a natural place to look, uh, but it'll be interesting. I mean, because what, what was that depend, return? Depends I on the bidding remember. war, right? Uh, it was it was a former first round pick for sure. Uh, one of their guys, I think, it was a centerman from the QMJHL. Uh, but I I, I want to say it was a second, but it might have been a first. I'd have to we have to get Remo back on the uh, on the on the search party there. I don't have it in front of me here, but. Again, the cost of acquisition was high, but it wasn't wasn't crazy. Here it is. I've got, I've got, I'm pulling it up right now. Uh, it received. Yeah, I played in the World Junior Team. Zach oh Dean. yeah, Dean. Yeah, Zach there you Dean. go. 
Right. So he was a late first rounder, right? Uh, I bl- I, let's see here. Do, do, do. Dean. Yeah. Yeah. He was a 30th, 30th. overall pick in the 2021 draft. Um, how, and then there's, of course, the scarcity of the center. Let, before we're done, um, and again, like I've never been huge on Monahan. I know he's really good in faceoffs. I know he's having a big bounce back season this year compared to where he'd been. A lot of people, myself, kind of thought that he was done. The Flames had to give Montreal, and again, he was making a lot more money at that time, but give yeah. Montreal a first rounder to get him. Um, but man, at 1.9. He would be a guy that could come in. You know Rick Brook Bonus uh, would love his prowess in the face-off circle. Is there a fit there with the Jets? And um, I, I know that we've heard Monaghan getting Montreal a first-rounder. I'm dubious on that. But, <laughs> um, but I mean, again, we're talking about scarcity. It's all about a market at what time you're buying and what time you're selling. And it does seem like there's a premium on guys that can play in the middle. Certainly the Winnipeg Jets want guys that can win face-offs. Is there a fit for that? How interested do you think the Jets might be in a player like Monaghan? And would he fit? Can he keep up with a guy like Nikolai Ehlers? I guess is my other question. Yeah, fair. All fair questions, Hasse. You know, we've talked about the you know, Jets' previous interest around the draft time with Sean Monaghan. What I would say, too, is that he is a, you know, a thoughtful and intellectual player. So I, I could see him as a fit with Cole Perfetti, right? You could, you know, again, Cole's not a burner, but he's incredibly smart, has great vision. So... And then you have the crazy speed of Ehlers. So, you know, in terms of the orchestra and the conductor, I mean, does that, does that, does that fit? It could. Um, is it their primary choice? I'm not certain. Uh, there's sort of, you know, I've been sort of thinking more of an aim higher approach when it comes to that job. But I could see him being a valuable piece of the puzzle. Uh, he's a guy that could help the power play. He has some size, even though, you know, he's not, I wouldn't consider him to be a physical player but he can be strong on the puck. So I could see him in a fit in that regard, maybe a little bit more than I thought maybe three weeks ago. But the most appealing thing with Monaghan is the salary hus, because I would think, you know, with a little bit of retention on Tanev, if the Jets were looking to add both of the pieces, you could conceivably add Monaghan and Tanev, right? And you've been talking about it yourself and with me and others. I mean, the appeal of adding those two players you might want to try to sign one or both of them, but you're not, uh, you know, beholden to them beyond July 1st, right? So they could fit probably with the with the with the machinations of the cap, but you're also you would be able to decide if you were going to keep them around or not. I would just say, Hus, this thing the thing with Monahan is that with the Rangers losing Philip Heedle for the season that could skew the, the the center market a little bit more because now, you know, beforehand, when you're the Rangers and you have Zabanajad, Heedle, and Trocek, you're, you're probably not in the market for a top two or three center. And now suddenly they're a team that, that needs to add another centerman. So, you know, now you're adding another team that probably wasn't in there before and their window is now, Huss, right? I mean, the thing with the Jets, I would say their window is definitely now, but you know, based on the uh, you know extensions for Hellebuck and Shifley, they probably think that their their window is is a couple of years. And and the Rangers obviously think the same thing. Uh, but that that's the thing. I mean, only one team wins in the end, so you have to be you have to find that sweet spot in terms of what you're willing to give up and what you're willing to you know what you think you need to keep around to make another run, but. Uh, so I, I could see I, I'm I'm let's just put it this way, 
I'm warming to the idea of Monaghan, but I think personally, I still think that a guy like Henrique probably fits a little bit better with the speed element. And, and I think, you know, I don't know who's a, who's the better penalty killer, uh, but Huss, and I just think, and the, and the unfortunate thing for Monaghan is the injury history, especially recent. Henrique is a guy who has, you know, played a lot of game. You know, he's been very a little bit more durable. Yeah, for and sure. Again, a lot of it's been bad luck for Monaghan. But if I'm Kevin Cheveldayoff, I think you're kind of leaning towards the more durable player, uh, even if Henrique is a, is a little bit older at this situation. And I, I'm with you. The, the The beauty of Henrique is that he has not had a lot of playoff games since the early success so he has to be driven for the a the opportunity to get the next contract and that's where the parallel to stasty makes the most sense to me he's a guy that could come in and be a great uh, complimentary uh, scorer but he's a guy who you know most people think he's probably going to have to take a pay cut on the next deal but paul stasty with a great playoff proved that that's not necessarily the case so uh, and again, there's probably other candidates that are going to emerge. Uh, but again, I also wonder, Huss, I mean, for Vancouver, Vancouver was also you know, very much tied to Jake Gensel in terms of the rumor mill. I, I don't see them having the flexibility to go out and get Gensel uh, up front. And I don't know about the fit with the Jets there. I mean, obviously the guy can score, um, but, you know, it's interesting. And there's going to be, I mean, I love Bushnevich, but he's not a natural center. So, Unless the Jets are planning on moving Gabriel Velarde in that spot, or or are comfortable could keeping. Could Giroux play in the middle? Oh, Claude Giroux could definitely play in the middle. Huss, uh, I just wonder. I mean, I love Claude Giroux. I, I was fortunate enough when I was back at the you know, in the post media days, I covered a, a playoff series between the Rangers and Flyers. Uh, Drew, incredible leader. Uh, yes, there are some miles there. I just know that the, you know the homecoming hasn't gone as well as he had hoped, but. I don't know that he's in the position where he's ready to to jump ship or bail on the program. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Claude Giroux is a guy, great, great experience, you know, been to the final, highly productive player. Uh, I just don't think that he's going to be available, but, which, which makes the reason why we should be talking about it. We don't think he should be available, but maybe he is, right? Like that's a, we got to be looking at outside of the box candidates uh, there too. Jets don't have a ton of right shots, uh, so he would make sense on that front. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that it's very likely, but I mean, that's again, why we have to you know, at least discuss the opportunity and options out there. We have to exhaust it all. And, uh, and he, and he does have a no move. So he'd right. have to be into, uh, into doing it as well. What's up for the rest of the day? What, uh, what do you do after you close up the laptop after, <laughs> uh, after gracing us with your presence and thanks again for doing it. It's great. Uh, and, uh, we've just enjoyed, we're feeling warm, just looking at your background <laughs> other than the hot takes. Well, it is. Uh, it's been great here. The, I mean, I know I'm super happy to hear that the weather is great back home and that we're not coming back to the deep freeze uh, when we do make it make it back there. But yeah, I mean, just a little bit of time around the pool. Uh, uh, I, the, the Manitoba Golf Tour uh, International Edition will be making a stop tomorrow at the uh, Ibero Star Playa Paraiso Golf Club. It's a it's a Pete Dye course uh, about 20 minutes down the road. So uh, it's going to be fun. Fire a couple of uh, picks out on, uh, on <laughs> yeah. X just to make We're us def- more jealous. Definitely going to be doing that. And, uh, you know, odd, uh, odd, you know, just lucky circumstance. I'll be uh, teeing it up with my, uh, with my pal, Eric Engels from uh, sportsnet.ca there. He happens to be in Cancun. So uh, no, it's been great. Met a lot of great Canadians out here, you know, 
an unreal uh, you know service. People are so friendly in this great country, and uh, it's been nice to unplug. But hustle, you know, I'm going to be fired up and ready for those uh, final 35 uh, when we get home. Uh, Mike's got the first. Mike McIntyre has the first couple games in in Pennsylvania out of the gate. But uh, I mean, the beauty of the post All Star stretch, uh, even. Even with uh, trade season uh, picking up, uh, it's basically you know sprint to the finish. It's like 35 games in 70, 70 some days, which uh, is also part of the fun. So it's going to be a, a great, great time ahead, and yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, that last road trip was was a, was an interesting one and a and a fun one. Got to connect with some some great friends on that one as well. Great to see folks in the center of the universe. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the uh, the All Star festivities go. I'm sure the uh, Jets representatives will enjoy themselves, and um, you know it'll be fun. It's it's a fun time of year, Huss. We know this. Uh, you know, I was I was happy that my uh, my Chiefs prediction uh, came true. I know yes, that was I a little was uh, a little nerve wracking at times there for sure. But uh, too bad for Detroit. Um, you know, I know some people may not feel that way, but that just uh, you know bit of bit heart heart wrenching for the Dan Campbell crew there but uh, I, I applaud the uh, the cojones but uh, you know personally if I were in those shoes I may not have I may not have I may not have coached the exact same way but uh, I appreciate him adhering to his principles if, and again let, let's look at ourselves a little bit better execution and you know we wouldn't be talking about Dan Campbell's decision making yeah, right well, I mean I mean golf had a guy wide open I mean he dropped it yeah if Josh Reynolds catches that fourth and three we're maybe talking right. about a different matchup we're saying right hey now. great call what it's a, a call. great run for Detroit I hope by the way it looks like Dan Quinn's actually getting a head coaching job not in Seattle with the commanders um after Ben Johnson said okay. he's staying put gonna try and come back and uh, get to the top of the mountain with the Detroit Lions. Kenny, have a great round tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of the trip, and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you back in the peg next week. Thanks for doing this, buddy. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, and uh, yes, uh, cheers. Buenos <laughs> dias, yes, I guess. Let's go with Post that. Yeah, you can say hi to the Dolphins, the uh, Ravens, uh, and the Bills, who might be in Cancun as well with you right now as well. Um, all right, there's uh, Ken Weeb. Great stuff with Weaver, and we're really appreciative that he jumped on with us. Of course, he and Rennie will get things going again after uh, Winnipeg Jets hockey, beginning with the uh, game uh, next Tuesday in Pittsburgh. By the way, well over 500 people in here. Great to see everybody out. Hit that thumbs up button if you haven't already, please. And uh, make sure to hit that subscribe button if you're not already subscribed to the channel. Um, we're going to give a shout out to our friends at Little Brown Jug. Of course, big news with Little Brown Jug now available at the arena. You're going to want to check out Craft Beer Corner in Section 310 and 126 at the game next Saturday if you're going to the Jets-Penguins game. In the meantime, if you're looking for uh, a great beer locally produced that kind of resembles your favorite domestics little brown jug generic is the one to get and right now when you pick it up uh, at your local beer store or liquor marts only 19.99 for an eight pack of tall boys my personal favorite highly recommended check it out the next time and hey no better place to pop by than the uh, beer store than the uh, brewery and tap room on william avenue you can try all your little brown jug favorites get your favorites and check out their merchandise including things like this beauty little brown jug hat. Find out more online as well, littlebrownjug.ca, and uh, with local delivery options as well. Speaking of hats, I'm hoping for a Super Bowl champions hat from Royal Sports in a couple weeks for the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll get more into Super Bowl talk next week heading into the big game. Uh, But 
If you're looking for your favorite team, you know it's there at Royal Sports. And, of course, the local team's well-represented. The biggest selection of Jets merchandise around with all your favorite jerseys, players, names, numbers. You got it. They'll do it up however you want. Uh, huge bomber section as well. Might be selling a few more Strevelers, I think, this uh, upcoming few months now that the Strevolution's back. Um, but, listen, when it comes to merchandise when it, for fans, Royal Sports is the number one spot and has been since 40 years, but there's so much more in the store. Lots to take advantage of. Winter, uh, skates, the best sexual selection of hockey equipment in town, snowboards, boots, bindings. Make the most of winter with a trip to, uh, with a trip to Royal Sports, 750 Pembina Highway. And again, hit them up on Instagram as well, at Royal Sports Pembina. And uh, hey, uh, no hockey tonight, unfortunately. It'll be a couple days. Um but it's still always a great day to head into Boston Pizza for ice-cold schooners, world-famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and more. And, hey, if you are staying at home, despite how nice it is outside, you can always get the great taste of little uh, Boston Pizza by ordering online at bostonpizza.com. We're going to check in with Sport Manitoba in a minute. Uh, but big night tonight at U of W. The Duckworth Challenge gets going. Manitoba, Winnipeg. The highlight of the local basketball schedule, women going early, men going at 8 p.m. And our pal Joey Slattery will be doing color. Let's bring in Slats right now to get together for the big, to uh, get the latest on the big crosstown rivalry. Slats, what's what's good, buddy? How are you? Oh, I'm great. I love that intro. I That is probably the nicest thing anybody's ever said to me on air. <laughs> or said well, about you, me, I should say. You know what? You, you, worked, uh, you worked in a different world for a long time. We're, uh, it's all good times now that we're in the digital universe, Joey. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And it's exciting times in basketball, too. This is like, this is like peak season for Winnipeg basketball right now, Huss. It, it, you know, it, it is. I mean, uh, you know, things are, are, are getting tight. and You're running down the stretch to the playoffs, and you know, obviously the women's teams with both uh, the Bisons and uh, and Westman sort of in rebuild mode. I mean, uh, battling to try to sneak into the playoffs. But, I mean, man, do we have a couple tilts set up between University of Winnipeg and University of Manitoba. Both teams 11-5 and five, tied. We're basically 5-6 in, uh, in the standings right now in Canada West. And uh, it's shaping up for a hell of a three days from uh, both from the south side on Saturday and tonight at the Duckworth Center. Yeah, I mean, even the women's game, I mean, it's the Duckworth Classic or Challenge, right? So The rivalry this is, is real. It, the rivalry is real, so people are going to be up for it for sure. And, and these women's teams, like, it's still a playoff spot on the line, right? They are neck and neck as well. It's not been a season that, you know, either of them, I think, would have wanted, but you know, they're starting to now the Westmen have got a little bit of confidence. The last game I saw them play, they started to click a little bit, you know, things are starting to come together. Uh, and then the Bisons, I mean, they've really come along since the start of the season. Automagar has been injured, but they've really found their, their, I guess, chemistry in the last, let's say two weeks. Uh, and I think that, you know, Manitoba has the edge on the women's game for sure. If uh, like over to the Westman, they just have a little bit more experience. Uh, Lauren Bartlett is unbelievable as a point guard. So I think they do have the advantage there, but I think they're going to be entertaining games, but on the men's side, like this is a stacked Duckworth challenge, right? Like you mentioned it, they're neck and neck in the standings. They have the same record. It's been a journey on how they got there. I mean, you know, Manitoba's kind of been rolling along. They're 11 and five. 
the Westmen have had so many stumbles along the way. I mean, they came out as the favorite, uh, you know, in Canada West as the, well, not the favorite in Canada West, mind you, but out of the two teams. They were ranked as high as third in the country at one point, second in Canada West behind Victoria. And they've just steadily dropped eventually out of the top 10 rankings where the Bisons have gone up. You know, they started at 10 and now they're at six and they've been stuck there for a little bit behind Victoria and UBC. But these are two teams now that they are 11 and five. There's four games left on the regular season before the Canada or yeah, Canada West championships take place at the University of Manitoba later in February. So this is a big tune up now for the Winnipeg Westman. I think it's a more important game simply because they haven't really figured it out yet. Uh, it's just been a different time or a different I guess they've been playing under that pressure they haven't played under before, right? They've always been kind of the the underdogs, and they upset Manitoba to go to the national tournament. Well, this year they had the expectations, and I don't know if it's been an effect, but it's definitely not helped in terms of their play. Like, it's, it's something that's been hindering them, and they've been struggling. Certain guys have been struggling. But if they can come out and split or win this series against Manitoba with two games left in Regina, who's currently at the top of the standings in Canada West – that suddenly erases everything behind you and gets you in playoff ready position off the off the hop, and it is one elimination. There's no room for error come that tournament. You know, um, you'll be part of the uh, the broadcast team for tonight's game for uh, Bison's Westman uh, at Duckworth. Um, as far as the men's matchup goes, I mean, let's focus on the home team tonight. The uh, the Westman. You talked about the season, the expectations that they had, which really have not been around that program for a long, long time. Um, I wanted to ask you in particular about a former guest on our show, the guy that was really the star last year, Sean Moran, and who also um, sort of you know spent the summer with the Sea Bears, although not getting into a game action. Um, is he still the leader on the team? Uh, tell us a little bit about where Moran's at right now, and uh, who are the other uh, big impact players are that the Westman will be leading on tonight against UM. Moran is certainly the leader of this team, you know, the most important factor for this team. Uh, I, he's been a steady climb, right? Like you look at his career and he's steadily climbed to the top. I mean, he's one of the leaders. I believe he leads the the conference and assists right now. He's up there in steals as well. I mean, last game they were against McEwen, who's, you know, been uh, had a struggle for the last few years. I think they're like, oh, and 70 something. Uh, and he was just putting on a show, right? Like it was mixtape Moran and I was calling just, you know, the no look pass in these nice dimes, but he is going to be an integral part of their success. But they also have uh, Mikhail Mikhailov, uh, and he's, you know, a, a big body. He's one of the top rebounders in the conference, as well as Donald Stewart. And these are two guys that can stretch the floor as well and shoot the three. But I think the post game is going to be huge for them. I mean, because the Bisons are just as talented, and they also have the ability to stretch the floor. So I think for the Westman, it's just going to be a matter of, you know, get it down to the block and try to beat them up as much as you can, maybe draw some fouls and get to the foul line, uh, especially a guy like Mikhailov. He's got a pretty good free throw percentage. I think it's over 75 into the 80s, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, they, they get to the line, they'll get some free points, right? So that's going to be the key. But also Moran, and if, if the Westman or the Bisons rather can't zero in on him and you can let him maneuver, he's quick, he's deceptive both on offense and defense he can cause a lot of problems. So the Westman, for sure, the key is, for me, Sean Moranin and Mike Mikhailov. Those are two guys that, you know, they have – the chemistry's just been growing and growing since last year, really. And the last couple of games, they've really started to click. But they also need guys like Malachi Alexander, you know, to, to find that consistency. Alberto Gordo, a guy who was, you know, came out of the gate hot last year, he's having a bit of a slump this year. He's not been consistent. In fact, in that last two games against McEwen, the first game, he didn't score at all. Right. So he's got to start finding his touch. And I think these games for them are more about finding 
that touch and getting into that rhythm and hitting, peaking at the right time, as they say, you know, like now's the time to do it. And as I said earlier, when you go into a rivalry game, that's going to help, especially if you can beat now what would be considered an upset to Manitoba, right? And put yourself back on that Canada West talking block. Well, and, and I mean, the West, but you know, starting this home and home on home court will really look to get their win tonight because um, I, I I can guarantee the Manitoba Bisons remember that game last year with everything on the line to go to the uh, to go to the Nationals at Investors Group Athletic Center, and we're looking to get them back. I mean, focusing in on the Bisons for a minute. I mean, I think certainly people that paid attention to the Sea Bears knows all about Simon Hildebrand. Um, he was the Rookie of the Year last year in U Sports. Uh, I saw he had a 41 point game earlier this year. Um, the sophomore season seems to be going well for Simon. Tell us a little bit about him in particular, as well as the rest of the squad that will be uh, on the road tonight at Duckworth. Well, Simon's been interesting, right? Because, you know, there's there was some inconsistency at the start of the season. And I think there were some, you know, some... Neg- I wouldn't say injuries, but I think he had some some ailments that were bugging him a little bit. But they're they're gone. I mean, that 41 points wasn't just against anybody. It was against the top-ranked team in the country at the time in the University of Victoria. And, you know, that was... You know, Marquette is Diego Mafia, who played for Vancouver last year and is the leading scorer in the country right now against Simon Hildebrandt because they had never played against each other in U Sports or Canada West. But Mafia was out uh, with a, a hip flexor, so he didn't play in those two games, but that didn't matter. I mean, UBC, or, sorry, Victoria is still a great, great team. Ronaldo Robinson had a 45-point game the, the next night, right? So this is Simon Hildebrandt really hitting his stride. And, I mean, when he gets cooking from three-point land, like, you got to watch out because here's a guy who, you know, can take you down to the post and he's got great footwork down low, but he can play anywhere, right? Like, he's got decent enough handles that, you know, he can carry the ball. He can play high post, low post, stretch out to the three. And he's a he's a, a problem for whoever's defending him, right? But he's not the only uh, weapon that the Bisons have. And that's kind of the luxury that the Bisons have had this year, too. You know, guys like, uh, you know, Kieran O'Hara, Darren Watts, uh, who's really put on a show. And this is a, I hate to say, you know, you borrow a Lakers term as a Celtics fan, but they've got some showtime in their game, Huss. I tell you, like, you're going to go there and you're going to see a few dunks a game. And I'm not talking about, you know, open break, one-hand dunks. Like, you're talking posters on some of these guys, right? You know, Jonam Kazadi is another guy that had a, a, a big, uh, having a big season. Uh, Tito Obasoto off the bench. So the Bisons really have the depth. And I haven't even mentioned Mason Krause, who's also one of the elite point guards in Canada West right now. And that's the matchup I think I'm most looking forward to is the guards. Mason Krause against Sean Moranen the third-year guard from Manitoba and the fifth-year guard, senior guard from Winnipeg, that is going to be a showdown. And you know what? It's something to be proud of for Winnipeg because those are two born-and-bred Winnipeggers that developed here and are playing at the top of their game here at home. And this is our last chance to see them play against each other because Moran will be gone next year. So if, you know, I'm not here to promote anything, you know, but if you want to go and see some good basketball, you might as well go to this. I mean, I think the atmosphere is going to be raucous, as you said, and you've been to that UW gym. It's a, it's like that that intimate dungeon, right? It's got that that gritty feel to it that I love, and I think it's going to be a great matchup. And same at, at the U of M. When that place is packed, it is loud. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, you know, historically, and being a, a U of M guy growing up, I mean, we always loved, whether it was the volleyball teams, whether it was the basketball teams going at it, that UW-UM rivalry. And I think we saw it taken to a whole new level last year with the game between these two clubs with the Nationals on the line. And, you know, the Bisons were favored. It was a huge disappointment. They could not sink a shot for a good portion of that second half. 
and the Westman pulled up, you know, a big upset in the game and arguably the biggest win in their program in the last 25 years. Yeah. You get to today, and you mentioned, I mean, a player like Moranen, who's been so great for that program, playing in his final Duckworth Challenge. Um, I often say, legitimately, you can just throw the records out when these two teams come and play each other. But the fact of the matter is the records are exactly the same and there's so much on the line. I mean, you know, considering where these teams are at, what they've been through, the history, the recent history, I think you've got a scene set for one of the best home-and-home series between these two programs in a long, long time. The drama writes itself, right? Like, it's just kind of all worked out. And, you know, even you look at the records, you know, the Bisons are favored just because the losses that they had were against better teams, right? I wouldn't say any were upsets. They lost two very close games at UBC. UBC, I think, right now is currently ranked fourth in the country. And then they split with Victoria. So, you know, these losses have come against some good teams. But, you know, they've, they swept Regina two, uh, two games to none when they were here, when Regina was in Manitoba a few weeks ago. But then you look on the other side, you know, the Westman dropped two to the University of Saskatchewan, who are not really part of any conversation, right? They have a new coach of a second year and Jamie Campbell's. They're just kind of getting their wheels. That was a huge win for that program, but devastating for the Westman, right? So that's what I talk about with like this rivalry. Use what you can, but you can't lose sight of what the goal is, right? Is to get the best positioning possible at the Canada West tournament. Hopefully, maybe top four get a buy into that first round. But this is like the Westmen have to lean into this as their playoff game. This is the game where you're going to have that playoff intensity. You know, both teams want to be on top of the other, right? Like no one wants to be the second place Winnipeg team when it comes to call or university basketball in the city. So it, it's going to be a battle. But I think, you know, for the Bions, they're rolling right now. They are definitely the favorites, but a huge opportunity for the Westmen if they can come in and definitely split. But if they can take two and then they're leapfrogged ahead of Manitoba, that just they can flip the script like they can literally flip the script of the whole season in this weekend. Manitoba, on the other hand, could do the same and just put them in the rearview mirror and not even worry about them. And who knows if they play them at the Canada West Championships, right? So there, there's a lot on the line. This rivalry has been growing for years. Uh, and as you well know, it's always been a rivalry. But with the addition of the CBL and the guys that you've not seen play in the CBL, but that have been working with those guys all summer, right? Like the um, Sean Moran's and the Mason Krauses of the world, Ryan Luke, who's also this, you know, the sixth man for the University of Winnipeg. We're seeing talent at an all-time high. This isn't the university basketball I remember when I was in university. Nothing close. Like, the game has gotten so good, and these athletes are so good that it's just, it's next level, right? So, and they take this very, very seriously. So, you can bet tonight and on Saturday, these are going to be some really well-fought games. Yeah, listen, uh, you won't be making a bad decision if you get out to Duckworth tonight or IGAC on uh, Saturday evening and uh, see these teams go at it, uh, both the men's and the women's squads of the University of Winnipeg and the University of Manitoba in the annual Duckworth Challenge. Uh, I know Mike and Kirby will be getting ready to go and uh, having the uh, the fellas ready for, um, you know, truly a special game and one that is circled on the calendar the second the schedule comes out, but even more impactful for both games um, because of where the teams are heading into a tonight's action. One of the other things that I think has been a real boost for um, the U Sports teams has been the visibility coming off the Seabears season. In a way, it was Sorry. the Seabears taking advantage of that incredible atmosphere at a packed IGAC last year when the Bisons and Westman played that game to sort of set the stage for their season. We know how incredibly successful the Seabears year was, and there'll be a number of young men, including Hildebrand, who we expect to be back 
um, that we'll see playing for the Sea Bears this summer and moving forward. Just quickly on the Sea Bears, Joey. Uh, looking forward to the season again. I'm sure you are. Uh, today's free agency right now. Uh, the official start of CEBL free agency. And uh, I would imagine over the next few days, we'll start to hear um, some signings trickle in. And I'm sure certainly from a Winnipeg standpoint, particularly with the fans most interested in, will some of the top players be back from last year's team? Like uh, the one and only Teddy buckets, who's having a heck of a year overseas. Yeah. And he's on the protected list. Uh, you know, there's five players that prote- that are protected. Um, and I, th- yeah, Teddy buckets, as, as far as I know, it plans to come back. Uh, you know, I, I can't see him not coming back. You know, he had such a, a good season here last year. It kind of catapulted him a little bit in Europe. You know, he played a little bit in Belgium before going uh, to the riders of the British uh, Basketball League, which is one of the top tier leagues outside of the NBA. Uh, and he, I know he has a really good relationship with head coach Mike Taylor. And, you know, we saw that last year. I think that's what's kind of helped him kind of move his game up a level and he's the reigning player of the year. Right. So I think that for a guy like Teddy Allen, that's something to prove. So, uh, you know, he hasn't, uh, it hasn't been announced yet. There hasn't been any commitment, but uh, you know, from, you know, talking to him even last year, you know, he really enjoyed this as did the whole team and teams across the league. So what I'm interested to see this year is how many new guys are coming in here. How many players are reaching out to the sea bears thinking maybe I can give you service. Cause I know last year, Mike Taylor talked about how hard it was, to, to recruit because there wasn't really anything, right? There was no team there. No one really knew the, what the city's basketball community was like or, or what the, the scene would be at the arena. And then, you know, the inaugural season happened and it was a huge success and people like the players playing at Canada life center really enjoyed it. Right. So I'm interested to see who the new players are going to be. Cause there's definitely going to be some changes. You know, I expect that protected five, um, if they're eligible to come back, they will, you know, like a Teddy Allen, I wonder, you know, if the NBA comes calling, then maybe he's, he can't play here. Right. And that'd be totally understandable. But if everything is, you know, status quo from last year, I would imagine they're all coming back. And uh, but I'm interested to see what pieces are are, are coming around, uh, you know, for the Sea Bears with CBL veterans. You know, I, I know there are a few uh, that are interested in playing here, have been in, in talks. Uh, no decisions have been made as of yet, and we're still monitoring announcements to see when those signings are going to happen. It's not exactly free agency frenzy like it is in the NHL, so who knows when we'll start seeing these roll out? But it's going to be an exciting time for sure for the Sea Bears because they do have a strong foundation. You know, a Chad Posthumus, another guy, I'm sure will be back this year, so they've got. A, a strong nucleus in place and it's just going to be complimentary ads from here on in and I think they're in for another successful season but like the Westman you know there's going to be expectations now with the Sea Bears right so we'll see how that affects the uh, affects the team as they kick off the season in May and one other note too I can't wait to see the Duckworth Challenge be played at Canada Life Center I think it has to happen oh I, I you know what I, I'm it, it is such a great call and I think as basketball continues to grow the Sea Bears get more entrenched. And you've got that court ready to go, um, you know, looking ahead. Um, and even if it's just once a year, you plan for a massive celebration of basketball. I mean, hell, bring the volleyball teams in too and just have it a massive totally. day um, for, uh, for, for both schools. Um, would love to see that happen. Um, we had a great chat with Mike Taylor, uh, head coach of the Sea Bears, uh, geez, I guess a couple weeks ago uh, about the off season. He's very much looking forward to this time, and uh, I'm sure he'll be uh, throwing up the live stream tonight. Seeing uh, a couple guys in the program go head to head for tonight, 
The women tip off at 6. The men tip off at 8 at the uh, Duckworth Center at the University of Winnipeg. And on Saturday, it's a matinee. Women at 2. The men's game at 4 o'clock. And if you want to see some high-level basketball with a lot of intensity and a lot on the line, it is the biggest two days in local hoops all year long. The Duckworth Challenge, University of Manitoba, and University of Winnipeg getting going tonight at U of a Dub and back at U of M on Saturday. Slats, great talking to you, buddy. Enjoy the games, and we'll see you out at the court. Always a pleasure, Huss. We'll see you soon. Oh, great stuff with Slats. Yeah, Duckworth Center tonight, the place to be. 6 o'clock women's game, 8 p.m., Bison and Westman in men's basketball, and then return trip to IGAC, U of M, Saturday afternoon, 2 o'clock for the women, 4 o'clock for the men. Nothing better than that crosstown rivalry between the University of Winnipeg and the University of Manitoba. And I did shout out to uh, probably Dave Larkins and the gang out at Westman Athletics, um, mentioning that I believe Sean Moranen might have uh, be coming back for another year with the Westman. That's good news. He's. I was looking at the stats. He's just about two assists clear of number two in uh, in Canada West. He's six point nine assists a game. Next player is five point one. What a what a fun young man he is, and we had a great time talking to him last year. Um, so uh, let's hope for a couple great games in the crosstown rivalry, both tonight and on Saturday afternoon. Um, Got to give a shout out to our friends at Little at uh, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Just seeing Kenny out there on the beach. This is making me think about summary things. We talked a little baseball yesterday with Logan Watkins, the new uh, skip of the Gold Eyes. And, of course, it also means getting out on the water and fishing. And if you folks are thinking, whether personally or for your business or a corporate retreat, thinking about an incredible fishing opportunity, Aikens Lake is the spot. Fly in fishing where you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg. And with world-class fishing and even more world-class hospitality from the wonderful people of the Aikens Lake family. Find out more on uh, their social media accounts at Aikens Lake. But I suggest you go to AikensLake.com and get in touch and find out about booking and availabilities for the 2024 season. Again, that's AikensLake.com. And uh, I can't wait to get back out there this summer. Always the highlight of my year. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Um, uh, we're not done yet. <clears throat> Let's uh, do a little Sport Manitoba takes a community to play segment. Looking forward to this one. Suzanne Dandino, member of the Manitoba Sports, <clears throat> excuse me, member of the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame joins us now uh, to uh, talk a little bit uh, more about um, being involved in sport after a very great playing career. And of course, it uh, takes a community to play with Sport Manitoba is brought to you and supported by our friends at Manitoba and Liquor and Lotteries. Let's welcome in Suzanne. It's time for another It Takes a Community to Play segment with our friends at Sport Manitoba, proudly sponsored by Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries. And what a treat it is to welcome in Manitoba Sports Hall of Famer, Suzanne Dandino to the program. Suzanne, uh, welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk. How are you? 
I'm great, Andrew. Thanks for having me on. It's a, it's a real pleasure. You know, um, you have, uh, I mean, you're involved in so many things and it's, uh, it, it is a perfect, perfect topic for us here on uh, our It Takes a Community to Play segment. But first of all, just quickly give people a rundown of your time as an athlete in both athletics and weightlifting. You know what? It was uh, an honor to be able to participate at the levels I did uh, in track and field. Started early in junior high, I'm going to say, progressed through to going to the University of Washington on an athletic scholarship, which was a wonderful experience. Unfortunately, they lost in the national championship this year, but I was right oh, there stop. cheering them on. Uh, and then came back home and, and continued uh, you know, pursuing my athletic career. I was on the national junior team in track and field prior to going out to Seattle. Seattle, but uh, loved every moment of that. Came home, saw that maybe the, the future wasn't as bright as I'd hoped in track and field. It would have been very difficult to get to an international level as a senior athlete. So started tinkering in weightlifting, which uh, my, my good friend Teresa Brick convinced me to come and try a bit more uh, seriously than I had been. And, and that was really the sport that, that took me uh, around the world. And I was uh, fortunate enough to be a uh, national team member for nine years, nine-time national champion, and um, was the first woman in Canada to clean and jerk 300 pounds and uh, the third woman in North America to do that task. So I uh, couldn't do that without the community behind me of coaches and, and medical staff and, and, and the support of, of weightlifting and, and track and field and sport Manitoba generally. So, um, you know, it was always uh, a commitment of mine to, to give back where possible. So that brings me to where we are today. You know, just quickly on the, uh, on your athletic career, it, it is an interesting transition, but we do see that often with people that, you know, excel in one form that maybe realize that, you know, the, the, there's a certain ceiling to it and then pivot to another sport um, where you're sort of have a big, big step ahead. And I think that was pretty clear from going from athletics to weightlifting. Uh, you were pretty much set from everything that you'd done before in a totally different sport. Yeah, it's certainly there are a number of transitions that work really well in sport and and, you know, gymnastics to weightlifting. There's a few of them. And I wasn't ready to um, enter the real world, let's call it in a nine to five job and things like that. So uh, having another outlet in sport certainly was an attractive um pursuit and Teresa Brick is a hell of a negotiator so I really have to chalk it up to her persistence as you know trying to get me into the gym and, and getting another female involved in weightlifting to be honest so um, it was an easy transition and like I said I wasn't quite ready to give up the sport thing and I'm very happy that I didn't. Um, Suzanne you also you're the founding member of the Manitoba Athletes Association. Um, Tell us about about being founding something like that and what the goal was and um, how important it was to you as an athlete to uh, to create that uh, that body. Of course, you know there had already been a movement nationally with the Canadian Athletes Association, which is kind of how we got that MAA acronym. Um, the Canadian version of it has become Athletes Can, which still exists today with a lot of, of power and influence in how uh, athletes are treated. And this really all came from like the boycotts in the 80s and how athletes were the ones paying the price for when a country would boycott. Why should it be the athletes that don't get to participate? So, you know, athlete rights have always been 
important to me and, and to many. And I, I wasn't the only one, Andrew Lamont from rowing. We had a number of people involved in, in Winnipeg who felt the same way. And with, you know, with the support and suggestion from, um, sport manitoba you know which is fantastic that we have a sport organizing body here in this province that sees the the need and importance of athlete rights so you know it was really uh, all of that came together with a bunch of people who just have a, a deeper interest and passion for sport and for those who participate so it was wonderful to be there it, it's been defunct to be honest for a while now but i think the concept of athlete rights remains uh, top of mind in the the provincial sport organizations in Manitoba. You know, moved on at one point, became president of um, the uh, Manitoba Weightlifting Association. As a former athlete, I'm sure you had a, a, a I mean, a special, unique view, especially at such a high level. But um, you know, a lot of times people are sort of like, oh, they're burnt out after doing it. Why was it important to you to stay within the sport, moving into that role to uh, help the future generation of uh, weightlifters? It's it's an it's an interesting observation, and you know, weightlifting not a big sport. You don't have a large pool to pick from when you're looking for leadership, and part of it is you're you're in the sport. You have other people who remain in the sport. You want to see it succeed. So, you know, if if people aren't stepping up at the time, then some you know I. I Typically, I'm the kind of person that will step up. And, you know, I, I bridged a time frame. We had more people come to the table um, nearing the end of my tenure, and I felt it was okay to, to walk away from that role in the organization. But at that time, you can always find a bit more time. Like, I, I'm not someone to sit around and and not be doing something. So if I'm not working on something, I'm, I'm bored. So it seemed... Um, it seemed necessary, and I'm very happy I did it. Also gives you a perspective on that leadership looking down to help you be a better leader in other ways. Well, and, and you know, of course, I mean, continuing to lead. I mean, you're the current board chair of Sport Manitoba. I mean, can you talk about why it's um, to you been important to stay involved and continue making these contributions to well, obviously a sport and sport in general that's been such a big part of your life. So the appointment to the Sport Manitoba presidency came as as a government appointment, but extremely proud and honored to be seen to be fit to play that role, and especially as the first woman to do it. So I feel I'm bringing a perspective unique to this role for the first time, female retired competitive athlete, multi-sport. Uh, I do think that there, you know, what I can bring here is significant and, and it, it's a great group to work with. And again, just whatever I can do to give back sport has given me so much. I attribute everything that I do today and the characteristics I have to my involvement in sport. And if I can give back, um, then I will. And to do it as the president of Sport Manitoba is will be the pinnacle of my leadership in sport. And it, it's what I owe to the sport and the province for the support they've given me to date. And I'm I've you know, I've taken the bull by the horns here and I'm I'm excited to see what I can do uh, to support sport in the province. Suzanne Dandino is with us on a Winnipeg Sports Talk as part of it takes a community to play with Sport Manitoba. I wanted to ask you about the significance of the entire sport community working to both recruit, but also train and retrain athletes, coaches, 
and officials um, because all of those roles are so incredibly important, not to mention the volunteers that make every sport happen at pretty much every level. It's, you know, and I, I don't think I realized the enormity of the task until I became the president of the chair, I'm uh, sorry, the chair of the board of directors. The magnitude was lost on me as to how many people we're talking about. And, and I can really appreciate all the work Sport Manitoba does in guiding the sports uh, across Manitoba. It's it's not an easy task. You're right. And people are taxed for their time. You know, it, it really is someone who's passionate about what they do in sport to keep them in. And how can we continue to encourage those people to remain active? Because you can't have a competition without a coach, without the athlete, without an official and without the volunteers. So if we run dry in any of those areas, we are in a, in a predicament. Um, and I feel Manitobans really take pride when they can say their daughter, their friend, their classmate is on the national team competing at the Olympics. We don't want to lose that. So it's a sport. Manitoba plays a huge role in in working with the provincial sport organizations to help continue to develop all of these areas within sport and and to be honest manitoba liquor lotteries really stepped up to 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 help us do this in in, last year with their substantial three-year contribution it really makes some of the things we're trying to do um, they're giving us a better platform to do that so i really i really do have to applaud their commitment to sport in manitoba Suzanne, I, I wanted to circle back to something you mentioned about Teresa Brick earlier in that you would come from athletics and she was a real hard negotiator to try to get you into weightlifting. Um, at this point, going into 2024, from your perspective, um, how far have we come along with athletic opportunities for girls and females as well? And, and in some more niche sports, if you will, like weightlifting that you don't historically associate with women, although they're winning Olympic gold medals and doing incredible things around the world. Absolutely, they are. I, I'm i going to suggest that there is always more that can be done. Um, and, and truly, for opportunities for Manitobans of of any gender and any ability, it's it's a limitation in Canada to be able to provide enough of those opportunities to all of our athletes. Uh, I do feel Manitoba is ahead of the game in terms of supporting its female athletes or and 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 you know female and those identifying as female and those who who are neutral in their gender identity. Um, I do feel Manitoba supports uh, those areas maybe better than some. And you know what I haven't done a ton of research across the, the country of, of what their, that sport looks like, but having speaking from my own experience, um, you know, there, there are opportunities out there. Um, they can always be more. Um, and sometimes you have to go hunt for them yourself. But I feel that's the Canadian system, unfortunately. We've just, we're not as focused on the development across the country until you get to that level where, where um, it makes sense to give a, a bit more effort. And um, so I, I feel that there's always more that can be done. But that said, we're doing pretty good with what we're doing. Suzanne, one final message, and I always try and bring it back when we're having these conversations with people from uh, across the sporting landscape. Um, from your, and you have such incredible experience at literally every level. Um, a message to former athletes that might be missing it or um, thinking about, you know, contributing back in some ways, 
as well as people that maybe have an interest in the sport but don't have that great history or connection as to how much of a difference and impact they can make to the sport, but also for themselves through things like officiating as well as just volunteering and making events in the sport keep going. I cannot encourage everyone enough to participate in any way they can. You may think that coming out to one competition to officiate once may be not enough, but it's not true. Uh, Every little bit helps, whether you are someone completely new to sport, which there will be a ton of people out there like that, please come and try. Um, You know, we are looking, I'll say every sport is looking for directors to sit on their board to give them some guidance. And it doesn't have to be sport specific. Uh, You know, it can be anybody, everybody will bring some nugget of expertise that 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 board may not be aware of um and and truly you don't need that sport in back uh, background in sport to be able to make those contributions for those out there who are retired or are not as involved as they used to be what a great feeling it is to be back here and you know what it's it's reminiscent you go back there you look at the people doing what they're doing working so hard you remember doing that and you do remember the people that were there to support you and in here in canada and, and manitoba People are not here because it's given them a lot of money or power or fame. They are there because they love the sport. So, you know, if you loved the sport at one point, hopefully we can encourage you back to keep helping out because everything makes a difference. This has been uh, so much fun. Gang, if you're uh, thinking about, um, you know, finding more about opportunities to uh, get involved, go to sportmanitoba.ca. There's a a ton of information there about it. And uh, to the honored member of the Manitoba Sports Hall of Fame, Suzanne Dandino, thanks so much for the time. It was great having you on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Thanks. Uh, Thank you very much, Andrew. I appreciate your time as well. That's another uh, Take Sick Community to Play with Sport Manitoba, brought to you by Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries on Winnipeg Sports Talk. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right, great stuff. Thanks to Suzanne for jumping on. And, uh, of course, Sport Manitoba and uh, Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries will have another episode. We're going to talk refing next week, or officiating, I should say, not necessarily refereeing, although I guess the the officials, the referees, have different names from sport to sport, but we all know how important that is. Uh, But, again, thanks to Manitoba Liquor and Lotteries for their support as well. And um, if you've missed these, Obviously, you can go back and watch them on our channel, but uh, Sport Manitoba YouTube channel as well, putting up a bunch of our uh, conversations here on Winnipeg Sports Talk for that, and we do appreciate it. Um, All right, we've got this. By the way, stick around. We're doing a hacksaw raid, so don't go anywhere if you're with us on YouTube. And can we please get up to 200 likes? We've had a huge show today. We're at like 187 or something like that. If you haven't already, hit that thumbs up for us. Thank you very much. Um, This is going to be a little combo why not question of the day as well as the cool bet lines um because tonight is what do we call it remus it's the all-star all-star thursday right now which yeah is basically a big cocktail party nhl all-star thursday i think they have the draft they're picking the teams bringing in celebrity 
um, celebrity captains. So they're going to be mixing it up on stage, trying to show off their great personalities. Huh? So I can't wait to see what unfolds here. Do you, uh, are you familiar with Tate McRae? Okay, you asked me this at the game on Saturday, and I wasn't, but then I saw people tweeting about her. Uh, so yes. I fam did familiarize myself. What about all you in chat? Are you familiar with Tate McRae? Young Canadian music phenom, former dancer, has like almost a billion, with a B, streams on Spotify. Um, I've just I've just found out about her. Interested to see uh, her performance. Seems to be uh, seems to be a bit of a star, to be honest. So I think she'll be uh, she'll be excellent um, there with the group. But yes, why not question of the day? Who are you taking to be the last player picked in the All Star draft tonight? And uh, why I would say that. Obviously, we love doing the why not question of the day for not autocorp at Waverly McGillivray, but we can also place a little wager on this, which takes us to the cool bet lines tonight. So there is a great basketball game. That's where I'm going with the play of the day for cool bet. Uh, Battle of former Raptors, OG versus Pascal Siakam. The Knicks, who I think have rattled off like 11 in a row at home at the Mecca against the Pacers. Knicks are three-point favorites. Um, but... If we look here to CoolBet and click on NHL and NHL All-Star Weekend, Remus, we can choose who the last overall pick will be. We can also pick the first pick, and that actually, that line has moved. Willie Nylander was the favorite when we were doing the lock shop earlier today uh, at plus 350. That's now gone down to plus 200. So I'm not sure whether Austin Matthews, I believe he's one of the captains, uh, has the first pick that we already know that, but um, Willie Nylander, that Will, Nylander and Marner, the top two players, um, obviously with them being Leafs. But um, first overall pick, Nylander two to one, Mitch five to one, Pasta plus six fifty, Sid seven to one, Kucherov eight, Elias nine, Demko twelve. If they had any sense, they'd go to Connor Hellebuck at twenty to one. Um, but that's the first pick. But I'm more interested in the last overall pick, Reem. So here are options, gang. Four to one, Tom Wilson, Boone Jenner, Frank Vetrano. Oliver Bjorkstrand is plus 450. Tomasz Hurdle plus 750. And then Trocek 18 to one. Talbot, Bob, Rob Thomas, all 20 to one. Elias, Nick Suzuki, 22, Brady Kachuk, and we can go down the list. No, obviously, Connor Hellebuck won't be that guy, but Helly is in there at uh, at 7-1. to one. Where's Kyle Connor? Kyle Connor is, like, right at the bottom. Whoa. 80-1. to one. I'm shocked. And you'd be insane. Well, he's not going to go last. He's uh, he's too good. I, do we go for one of these chalky picks, like Tom Wilson or Boone Jenner, Vetrano? Bjorkstrand, maybe? Yeah, what if they, like, played a prank and, like, did it to Brady Kachuk and were like, ha-ha, Brady, no one's going to take you. We're here going to be be last. You know, he plays for Ottawa. Uh, I guess Matthew Kachuk's not in the game, right? So that I don't know if that would apply. But, um... Yeah. I, I'm, I'm just trying to go think of some crazy 
theory where they don't want to like pick the actual worst guy. Like I don't think Tom. Yes. There's, no, there's no way Tom Wilson's going last because he'll just beat up. Uh, yeah, someone will get somewhat. the shit kicked out yeah. of him if they do that. Yeah, All he, the captains, in fact. Yeah, so I'd be afraid uh, if I got Tom Wilson last. So I wouldn't want that. So the guy that I would take is Cam Talbot, who is twenty to one. Mm-hmm. Maybe if all the other goalies go, they know they don't need to pick a goalie and they can just wait till the end. You think they're that smart? No, not even close. Not even close. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's not. I mean, I think that's a good theory. At twenty to one, you might as well do that. I don't know. Someone's got to get in. Well, someone's gonna be last. Like. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's a defenseman. Like, do you need a defenseman in the All Star game? Ah, I guess you kind of do. It's three on three. Yeah, but it's just, I mean, it's just. You're not getting them for defense. Anyways, all of the picks first overall pick, last overall pick, all up there at Cool Bet. I mean, some of these are such high odds. Like, do you think it's worth doing like a couple like small bets and like hoping you hit one big i i yeah because the I mean, odds are just so crazy like like do you know think it's really going to be jenner vetrano or bjorkstrand like i i really don't think it's going to be tom wilson i no, you're you're right maybe it's, it's bjorkstrand and they want to like make jokes the whole time about hitting that instagram video i don't know <laughs> that's right are you sure you should have canceled that airbnb oliver mm-hmm. um well it, it's a tough pick anyways give us your thoughts on who you'd be taking in the chat for the why not question mm-hmm. of the day first overall uh so the ter- matthews mcdavid mckinnon and hughes are the uh are the captains and i guess it'll be luke hughes or maybe jack will still be participating but he's not playing in the game yeah, uh, and um, and who is it that got added for him? Jesper Bratt. Yes, oh, Jesper Bratt. Bratt. That's right. He's a member of my fantasy team. So, uh, so there you go. Um, we do have odds for the skills competition, and I'm pumped for this. So McDavid plus six fifty, Makar eight to one, Pasta and Drysital and McKinnon and Kucherov nine to one, Matthews and Elias and Barzal and Quinn Hughes. 10 to 1. And then I think it's JT Miller and Willie Nylander at 11 to 1. Um, I, I will just quickly, before we roll over to Hacksaw, if you check out the odds for the NHL season bets, um, Hellebuck's the favorite to win the Vezina at minus 125. Quinn Hughes, a big favorite for the Norris at minus 169. I think there's value at Kale McCarr at plus 135, to be honest with you. It really does seem like it's a two-horse race. Um, Jets are the favorite for the Central Division to win the Central at plus 150. Avs plus 175. Dallas plus 275. Uh, the Canucks still the favorite for the uh, Pacific Division at minus 115, but Edmonton just minus 150. But I did get something added today, Reem. I'm looking at these Hart Trophy, because uh, we were talking about Hellebuck and you know the season that he's had and the numbers the Jets have put up. I do see a scenario where the Jets, this would be a great scenario, where the Jets maintain the top um, goals against in the league and Hellebuck is the shoe-in for the Vesna. But if the Jets are like right there battling for the President's Trophy at the end of the season, 
he will get Hart Trophy consideration. And uh, we've added him to the list. 75 to 1. If you want to put a little sprinkle on Hellebuck to win the Hart Trophy as the MVP of the NHL. So that is up there right now. Um, all the other trophies uh, available. Playoffs, like Eastern Conference winner, Western Conference winner, cup odds. Jets have gone from 12 to 1 to 15 to 1, by the way, if you want to get in. And how about this for the Jets' total season over-under points? The line is 108.5 at minus 110. If you want to add one more point to that and have them crack the 110-point barrier, plus 135. And if they go completely crazy in the second half, if you want over 119.5, it's plus 1,500. Just looking at those numbers making me very happy about the over 94 and a half bet that we made at the start of the year. That's funny. I think Dom has them projected. He put out his latest projections. He's got them at 112. So Really? Um, let me just confirm. Well, do we, dub do we double down on the plus, one, uh, plus 135 at over 109.5? Uh, I'm not going to tell you what to do there, but I'm just going to say uh, I think Dom's got them projected. Let me just... Here, this is a little lock shot bonus for you folks. As I talked about this today on the program, we were looking, and there's totals for all teams for their points at the end of the season. Yeah. The Calgary Flames total is 86 and a half. They are 500 right now. So to get to 87 points, you need to have five more wins than you do regulation losses. That mm -hmm. would get you to 87 points. Well, Calgary's even through 49 games. They just traded Elias Lindholm. There's the potential that Tanev, Hannafin might be on the move. And I went through their schedule, and it is rough. So I've put a big chunk on the under, 86.5 for Calgary. That is definitely mm -hmm. my favorite pick right now of everything up here mm -hmm. and available. Um, but uh, it's all there at Cool Bet. This is a fun time with the league on the break to uh, kind of get back into some of the futures. So it's all there. And if you haven't played there before, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus on your first deposit up to 200 bucks. Yeah, I have Dom's. He tweeted out his uh, projected standings at the All-Star break. So he has the Jets at 111 points. So there's certainly, uh, if you believe in Dom's model, there's some value there. And he's got Calgary at 87 points, Hus. Now that's Calgary at the way they are now. So if you think they're, if I agree, if you think they're going to be trading... Yeah some guys then i would you they would be getting worse so i have already made my uh, made my wager under 86 mm -hmm. and a half for calgary uh but you know it'll come right down to those final couple games uh, as well all right listen before we go reem because we're going to raid hacksaw um can we get a quick uh, jets all-star break update via instagram yeah jets all-star break update uh chuck hellebuck has been posting pictures of them on instagram international influencer chuck hellebuck so thank you for uh keeping us posted he's at disney uh here's here's the here's the Do you picture. Have some weird voice effect on your uh on your mic right now no i think it's saying it might be sending to you twice oh okay uh how about now i think that's better yeah uh so chuck they're at disney there's that i saw josh morrissey on his instagram stories posting pictures at a beach 
And then Dominic Toninato's on Instagram story has posting a picture from the gym. No days off. Dominic Toninato doing everything he can. Stay in the lineup and have a good second half. So shout out to uh, these guys are at the Tony. beach. He's uh, you know uh, throwing plates around a gym in a diner, Minnesota. That's right. Gotta love it. Not Got a gym. Love it. Yeah, not a gym on the beach. He's in Edina, no. Minnesota. Um, uh, all right. Hey, before we go again, if you want to join us for the uh, the whiskey tasting night, along with the Jets game against the Dallas Stars, get your tickets before they are all gone. Hopefully there's still a few left. The link is in the description of the video. And if you're with us in chat right now, right at the top of the chat, looking forward to seeing any of you WSTers that want to sip some great whiskey, uh, learn about it. And hopefully watch the Jets whoop the Dallas Stars. That's on February 29th. Looking forward to that. And um, we've got this, uh, this uh, you know, the, the draft tonight, which we will check out. And a big show tomorrow. Guess who's back? Dennis Bayak will be joining us on the show. Cannot wait for that. We'll uh, talk a little bit more about this Lindholm trade and where that leaves the Jets with Murata Tesh. And we will have a special visit from Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. However, we're going to go raid Lee right now on YouTube. So let's go do that. Um, thanks to everyone that joined us today. Suzanne Dandino, Joey Slats, Ken Weeb, Scott Billick. Great show. Tons of people in here today. Um, and we're going to do it again tomorrow. Big Friday show heading into All-Star Weekend. And then it's back to work for the Winnipeg Jets next week. Uh, in fact, actually practicing on Sunday. Um, stick around. We're going to see Hacksaw. Join us tomorrow for Dennis, Marat, and Hacksaw as well. Have a great night tonight. Thanks for being with us. Great to see everybody. And uh, let's go say hi to Lee Hacksaw Hamilton through a WST raid. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.